Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boochcast. I am your host, Elvis Dolinsky, your AEW correspondent. And of course, I'm joined by my fabulous, fabulous, fearless leader, Vinny Bucci. Of course, we are introducing the Boochcast recaps. Of course, my favorite show, the best wrestling show on Wednesdays and in the world, AEW. Vinny Bucci. Vinny Bucci, welcome to the show. Round applause for Vinny Bucci. Thank you so much. And uh, first of all, let me just say I got a couple things I need to say right off the bat. First sure. off, um, I'm glad that we're back with uh, AEW. Um, you know, uh, it's it's one of those recaps that comes and goes, but uh, whenever it comes around, you know it's going to be fun. So regardless of how you feel about AEW, well, there are some people who are, I'm sorry? Oh, I'm just, just going to say this right now for all the fans out there. Ladies and gentlemen, I know, and this is a public service announcement to all the Boochkiss fans, for the dozens and the dozens of fans we have out there. Ladies and gentlemen, I know I've let you guys down. I have, okay? Um, You know, the past couple of weeks, I've had COVID. I've had work-related issues. I've had a lot of different things hold me back from doing a show. And let's just face it, I've been just plain lazy. <laughs> I was supposed to be your flag bearer. I was supposed to be the guy, the cheerleader, the rah-rah guy for AEW. I was supposed to come on here week after week and give you week after week of results and impressions and thoughts about AEW. And I was supposed to be the flag bearer to carry this company into the next segments, into the new century, into the new decade for the dozens and the dozens of fans listening out there. But you know what, though? I failed you guys. And I apologize. I really do. You know what, though, folks? I refuse to let this go. I made a stand tonight. I talked to Vinny Bucci tonight. I was like, you know what? God damn it. I have to do something for better for me. Do something for our fans. Do something different for AEW fan, fan base. Because you know what, though? This show has been lacking. Not because of Vinny Bucci. Because Vinny Bucci, he's been working his tail off. He is the hardest working motherfucker I know who does nothing in all the world of, in the world of professional wrestling. He's a manager for Buff Bagwell. He does NXT recaps. He does shows with other people I won't even mention because they're horrible. <laughs> but at the same time, though, I'm supposed to be the flag bearer for the show. And God damn it, I'm going to give you what you need. So from this day forward, I promise you, it is now February 2nd, 2022. So it's 2-2-2022. It's an omen, folks. Elvis will be here every fucking week to give you your daily dynamite results. I just watched the show. I will give you a recap. And I'll tell you what I think what happened this week, though. And folks, I know you've been waiting for a long time. Don't worry, my little birdies. I will feed you everything you need to know. Because, but, ladies and gentlemen, we are in Chicago tonight, though. And we start things off beautifully. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Elvis, Elvis, Elvis. I don't want to cut you off, but I have to. Because I do. For, I got two things I need to say. First of all... I love the fact that we're getting back on the ball with AEW. And um, in addition to that, there's a lot of other changes that are going to be coming to the Boochcast as well. But I'll be mentioning those when Elvis and I do our variety show, uh, preferably when he gets back from Puerto Rico is when we're going to we'll, we'll bring the variety show back. And I got a lot of stories for that. But there's one quick thing we have to make that can't wait for the variety show. And well, sure, even though it? Elvis said that there's other people I work with that he doesn't want to talk about because they're horrible but there's one particular person that elvis and apparently a lot of my other co-hosts think are horrible but we kind of have to give him a shout out because ladies and gentlemen as you know the Boochcast is on anchor we're on spotify we're on breaker and we're on google Podcasts. but ladies and gentlemen as of today we have joined a new platform the Boochcast is officially on i heart radio we made it 
We made it. I mean, like, you know, seriously, seriously, like, you know, I I, I feel like I dropped the ball for a while. And, um, you know, Vinny dropped the news to me earlier today. Um, I was in the middle of work, obviously, because whenever I call Vinny, I always call him between, like, you know, driving from one shop to another or on tow yard or whatever bullshit I'm going to, whatever. And uh, Vinny calls me. He's like, hey, by the way, did you know we got picked up by iHeartRadio? I'm like, how is this even possible? And Vinny, I can't possibly explain in so many words what happened. So could you enlighten us on what happened and how this amazing transfer happened yes um well as you guys know i have a lot of people who make guest appearances on this show from time to time you know your your gator ricky rosses and your zachariah scotts of the world unfortunately but but there's one man that makes occasional cameo appearances and he has been doing this for 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 actually for a, a little over a decade he's made frequent appearances on this show i've made frequent appearances on his show and whenever i mention affiliates with the booch cast he is our one of our main affiliates and that is of course mr derek shapiro who... derek shapiro yeah i yes. mean like here's the thing like i like derek but i don't like derek but yeah. i like derek yeah so it's, it's it's like it's one of those like love hate relationships where like you know i have my differences with him like the thing is like i think he's a great swell guy right but the thing is, like, I think he's so full of himself when it comes to a lot of different things. But the thing is, like, he is a promotion machine. And the thing is, like, the fact that he took interest in our show platform and he's always plugging away. I think is a brilliance. Uh, Derek Shapiro, I thank you. I, I'm going to tip my hat to you. Now, I'm always going to have my fault with you because I always have my thoughts about you when it comes to the way you do things. But at the same time, though, you are a brilliant, brilliant genius. And, you know, seriously, I'm going to take my differences aside for one second to say thank you Derek Shapiro because you got us on a different platform where I didn't think we'd get to um I don't think we're deserving of such a title because let's just say our dozens and dozens of fans out there who listen to us the only thing we get out in the iHeartRadio platform but you know what though you took the initiative you made it work and god damn it we applaud you for it so thank you so much Derek Shapiro Round of applause. Round of applause. Yes. Shapiro. Woo! He, he did, man. He called me and said that he was, uh, he was, he had this, um, he said he was going to submit the Boochcast to iHeartRadio. And the thing is, he had called me. I was like half asleep because I was up all night, uh, the night before, uh, putting out, uh, I put out another thing. I did a classic pay per view review where Gator and I talked about WCW Uncensored 96. So I was in the process of editing that, getting that together, putting that out there. I've been, just dealing with some stuff. Also, I had a late night podcast thing that I had to do that I'll mention on the Variety Show. More details about that. But I had a long mm. night. So I wake up this morning and I'm half asleep. And usually when Derek calls me, with the exception of this obvious call, most of the time it's nonsense. So I'm just like, yeah, okay, what's up? He goes, yeah, I'm thinking about doing that. I'm like, all right, sure. Go ahead. I don't care. Because I'm half, again, I'm like half asleep. I got like three, four hours sleep. So I hang up the phone. I go back to bed. I go to work. An hour into my shift, he sends me a link. I click on the link. We're on iHeartRadio. So Derek Shapiro, we got, we're giving you the shout out, bro, because you earned it. The Boochcast is now. iHeartRadio's on the list. And we are going to be killing it on iHeartRadio. We look forward to the fan base is going to bring us. And like I said, it's got us committed now more than ever to deliver the content that we're going to deliver, and we can't wait to knock it out of the park. So that being said, now Elvis, take us to the, take us to AEW, take us to Chicago. Well, before we get started in the show, Vinny, because we are now on iHeartRadio, and all our words really mean something because of the whole Joe Rogan and everything else. You might want to scrub a lot of episodes out. I think we should like look into our archive and scrub <laughs> a lot of shit out. Um, 
aside from that though, guys, it was it was it was a great night in Chicago. Obviously, we had um, you know it, it seems like AW really knows their audience, and Chicago is a big fan base. I mean, like it, you could never go to Chicago when it comes to SmackDown, when it comes to NXT, when it comes to WWE, hell, even Ring of Honor. And I'm gonna bring up AW because that's my forte. When it comes to AW, they always go to Chicago because it's an easy place to sell out. The place is always packed. And you're always going to have great matches. And if I know I haven't been on TV or I haven't been on the radio for quite some time. I haven't been speaking my voice about AEW for quite some time because, let's just face it, I got released days ago. I got caught up in my own little thing, whatever. But every time AEW starts a match, it's always going to be a banger. You're always looking for two things in AEW. The beginning match and the end match. Now, we know that the first match was supposed to be John Moxley versus Mr. Brian Kendrick. Now... For those of you who know who's in the business, who knows about wrestling, everybody knows Brian Kendrick is, let's face it, he was a fantastic wrestler. He was great in a Cruiserweight Classic, whatever. He was a great talent that was underutilized, and let's just face it, he was. But unfortunately, he's got some weird point of views about um, political things, and um, a lot of snowflakes will get a bit out of shape and everything else, and you know, me and Vinny like to talk about snowflakes, about getting butt hurt, but this is something that me and Vinny could agree on. Brian, Brian Kendrick is a Holocaust denier. Yeah. And it pains me to say, as much as I wanted to see Brian Kendrick on TV versus John Moxley, unfortunately that had to take place because, I'm sorry, I grew up my, my parents, they grew up in Romania, so my dad's a full blood, full blooded Romanian. My mom's a full-blooded Romanian. I'm the first generation here in America. And they saw like what's what communism does to people. He's he heard rumors of the Holocaust because he grew up in that time. And um for you to be a denier of a said Holocaust where you're based on the religious preference that you grew up into is a big thing. And for you to deny that that echo of 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 history is is nonsense. And I think AEW did the right thing tonight. Now, John Moxley did not fight Mr. Brian Kendrick, unfortunately, because that's something I wanted to see. Now, before tonight, I had no ideas about his point of views. Now, he is a conspiracy theorist. And don't get me wrong, I am a conspiracy theorist myself. I wear my aluminum hat when it comes to a lot of things the government does, because that's just the way I think. But I would not refuse the irredeemable stats and the history of the Holocaust. Like, you were persecuted on your religious belief... And you were sent to a gas chamber in Austria to get killed. And the thing is, like, it wasn't like you were just sent there and like, oh, it's, everything's going to be fine. And we'll just get past this one point and get everything. Like, maybe tomorrow will be better. You can have that optimism. But, like, it wasn't there because you saw the results in front of your eyes day in and day out. I don't have to, like, downplay the horrors of Hitler and his horrible crusade against the Jews. But at the same time, it was it was horrific. It was a bad time in life. And like a dictator who was so hell-bent on himself and took over a majority of the world. And let's just face it, folks. If the USA, USA, didn't step in and put a stop to this tyranny, the world would have been a lot different. Our, our way of thinking and a whole bunch of things. And, I mean, there's a whole conspiracy behind that, though. But the thing is, like, to completely reject the idea that there was no Holocaust and it was overblown... That's a whole different subject. So I think AEW did the right thing by taking um, Brian Kendrick out, and I, I get it. He did. It, he said a couple years ago. But the thing is, like when you, when let's let's say it this way, if you're a racist, 
you're a racist for life, pretty much. Unless something changes your life fundamentally. If you are born into this horrible culture where you think, like, these people are out to get you or they're horrible, they're, they're horrible because of their religious beliefs or the skin color of their skin, it's, 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 a, it's a dynamic that you can't really go back from. And, you know, I never... I wanted to see John Moxley versus Brian Kendrick. I did. But then I don't want to be one of those cancel culture people that says, oh, we should just cancel it, not everything else. But his beliefs... On the world, I know he grew up in Virginia, you know, and you know, but there's a whole world outside of the area code. There's a whole world outside the United States. Fuck, there's things happening in Australia right now, which we can get into like the the political section on our potpourri show. But like, there's a whole world of things going on, and you have to look beyond of where you're living at. And uh, you know, his his thought process is like so anti-Semitic that like um I can't agree to it. So. I have to applaud Tony Khan on this decision to pull the Brian Kendrick and put in uh, Willer Yuta, which I think was a good fucking match. Okay. Well, and I'm just going to say this. Um, well, because I remember Elvis told me about this. I didn't even hear this news because, like I said, I've been, I was wrapped up so much with work today. I didn't have a chance to check the dirt sheets. So I didn't have a clue as to what was going on. I even forgot that Brian Kendrick was booked on the show, period. And that's not a knock on Kendrick. That was just me and my headspace and my own little world. So he tells me, and, and all I heard at the time when Elvis told me was, I said, how, he said, they said, yo, Kendrick got taken off the show. And I said, what happened? And he goes, he said something anti-Semitic. Now, my first thought was, okay, like, did he, I thought maybe he said some kind of joke that people found offensive, or did he get into an argument with somebody that was Jewish that was being a jerk, and he just yelled something in a fit of rage? Because things like that can happen. And there, and, and usually when, when people get all snowflakey and butthurt and offended, it's nine times out of ten. Nine times out of ten, it's something stupid that's unnecessary. This case is the one out of ten where they're justified. Because as soon as Elvis told me, because I was like, oh my god, here they go. A-W being S-A-W-F-T, soft all over again. And Elvis cut me off immediately and went, dude, he's a Holocaust denier. And I was like, I take back everything I just said. I immediately... Just, I was like, let me rewind that back. I immediately was like, yeah, that's the limit. That's the limit. That was the limit. Okay. Like Holocaust, den denying the Holocaust is stupid. I'm sorry. It's dumb. Every You'd have to be the dumbest person on the planet to not know that happened. It's it's stupid. Okay. It's it's goddamn ridiculous. It's and it is offensive because there are people who've been through that, who lived through that, and there's a lot of Jewish people who it. still have the numbers tattooed on their arms to this day from when they were numbered in the Holocaust. Like they still have that shit somewhere <laughs> on their bodies. It's insane. But here was the thing that bothered me. And I told Elvis this, I'm gonna get it off my chest because I need to, was I said, I, and I said this. In fact, I'll even I'll even make a bold statement right now. I saw Tony Khan's tweet and I replied to it. Um, Tony Khan said on Twitter, "We've been made aware of the abhorrent and offensive comments made in the past by Brian Kendrick. There's no room in AW for the views expressed by Brian. We think it's best for all that Brian be pulled from tonight's card as we gather more info. We'll announce a replacement bout ASAP." That's what Tony had to say. Now, before I get to the rest of the sentence, I'll say the first line of the tweet that I sent to Tony Khan, replied to Tony Khan. I said, at the end of the day, you did what you had to do, and I respect that. So before I go any further, let me make this clear so everyone's on the same page. I respect and endorse their decision to pull Brian Kendrick from the show. I have no quarrel with AEW over that. 
But it does beg a question because I feel like when it comes to certain policies, they're not consistent. If you're going to make this policy that certain behaviors are never going to be tolerated, then you got to you got to not tolerate it across the board. You can't cherry pick. And here's what I mean by that. For example, Brian Kendrick gets pulled from the show because of his comments about the Holocaust. A fan was ejected from AEW for a sign they had for Nyla Rose. And Elvis isn't going to like this one, but I'm using it again as an example. A while back, Tony Khan made a tweet replying to Linda Hogan. Y'all remember my history with her. Where, where he banned the Hogans from AEW. Mostly because Linda made a comment about the riots that happened two years ago. So he's already making it clear. I don't tolerate this kind of behavior. Yet... A certain masked individual who sits at the broadcast table where I have an article, it's documented that he has said racist things in the past, continues to have a job. Like for those of you out there that have been listening to these AEW recaps, you always know whenever I open the show, I say the same three things every time. There's Tony Schiavone, the wrestling legend. Why? Because Tony Schiavone is a legendary announcer. He was the flagship guy for WCW. He is a legend. I say Jim Ross, the Hall of Famer. Why? Because Jim Ross is in the WWE Hall of Fame as well he should be for being one of the greatest, if not the greatest announcer of all time. So, Hall of Famer. And I always say Excalibur, the racist. Now, a lot of people have asked me over the years, why do I refer to him as the racist? I do it for two reasons. One, because of the N-word stuff, the, him saying the N-word and it being well-documented. And two, because I'm wondering why everybody else gets punished when they behave inappropriately, fans and wrestlers alike, but Excalibur seems to just scoot under the radar. I, I can't help but feel like there's some favorites being played here, and I feel like the Cucamonga kids, as Corny likes to call them, are behind this conspiracy. So I tweet to Tony. I said, again... I said, at the end of the day, you did what you had to do, and I respect that. But why does Brian Kendrick get taken off the show, but yet this racist, untalented, because he has no talent, piece of shit is still announcing, and I sent him the same article that Elvis and I pulled up when we discovered this a while back. So I'm hoping that Tony Khan will be able to provide me with an answer, because I can't think of a valid reason for him to still be employed. If this is the precedent, they are going to set. Hopefully someday I will get my answer. But until then, I will always refer to Excalibur as the racist on this show. So I just wanted to clear that up. But yes, his comments were inappropriate. He got taken off. He was replaced by Wheeler Yuta. Now, I'm going to be brutally honest. I did not see this match. Not because I didn't want to, but because I was having a... We were having a family meeting here at the house, and the time got away from me. So by the time I got to AEW, uh, Moxley and Danielson were already in the ring talking. So I'm going to turn it back over to Elvis and let him share his thoughts on the match. Well, I want to talk about the match in a second, but like, um, I have to coincide and say I completely agree with you. Um, I like Excalibur first. I know about his uh, anti-Semitic things he talked about before. But um, I'm going to join your cause and say um, I'm on board with it. I'm not typically a snowflake who gets offended easily by everything else, but uh, looking at his history, and the thing is, Vinny, when you brought it to my attention, I looked it up, and sure enough, you were absolutely correct, and TK should address this, and he should he should let go of Excalibur. Um, 
Usually I'm the biggest cheerleader for AW because let's face it, AW is my bread and butter. Uh, but at the same time, like I love AW as a product. And um, with his, with, with the same kind of schematics of, you know, looking into past tweets, past posts, past anything and everything else, Ben, you know, Brian Kendrick is a, is a conspiracy theorist at heart. And, I, and you know, you know what? I applaud that because I'm a conspiracy theorist too. Um, I'm always going to be at heart, but I'm never going to be a person that's going to be anti-Semitic and I would never throw the N-word out. That is disrespectful. I think that is a different place and a different course for a different time. I think that um, it's <coughs> a horrible thing to say. Um, I think that, you know, AW as a growing, you know, company should steer away from this kind of controversy. I'm not sure how Excelbert still has a job given his um, shady past, but at the same time, he's here. Um, so I guess the only thing we could really do is like bring attention to it. And the thing is, like, I'm not going to fight it. I'm going I'm to be all for it because the thing is, like, if you are that person 10 years ago, and I'm not saying people can't change, but at the same time, like, you know, if you're going to have those thoughts and say it on, on TV that's recorded as a, as a recorder or anything else, like, each of those you're doing. And there's some other characters in there. I'm not going to bring up their names because it's not really worth mentioning. But the thing is, like, there was a lot more things. But um, back to this match. John Moxley versus Willow Yuta. Now, I've always liked Willow Yuta. I think he's been a fantastic talent. I think he was a great grab. I just didn't think he was a good fit for the best friends. Um, Chuck doesn't like him. I think that Trent Beretta doesn't like him. I mean, God knows for sure, if you've been watching Being Elite, Chris Stadler doesn't like him either. This match happened. Uh, Willier bought his breast, his best game to the to the table. He took he took John Moxley, who was a former AEW champion, to his limits in this match. It should have been a squash match, and it wasn't. This match was pretty fucking well done to build Willier up. Now John Moxley did eventually win. He won with a paradigm shift, obviously, but it wasn't about the match itself. No, don't get me wrong. The match itself was pretty awesome. I mean, John Moxley had to sit and go outside and recollect himself a couple times. Eventually, he came with a battle plan to take Willow Yuta out. But it wasn't about the match itself. John Moxley won with a paradigm shift. But it wasn't until post-match, where the American Dragon, Daniel Bryanson, came to the ring to confront Moxley. And, you know, Dan Brian Danielson, being who he was, he asked the crowd, Hey, do you guys want to see a fight? Do you guys want to see this fight? And everybody's like, yeah, fuck yeah. We want to see this match happen. He's like, yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> Let's let let's let's flip the script a little bit. And this is like the brilliance of Brian Dallison. He goes like, I'm not gonna go with what you guys wanna do, because I know you guys want us to fight, but let's just flip the script for a second. These people want us to fight because we came from the same company. We were brought up the same way. You came to GCW, I came from Ring of Honor. We came to the same company, WWE, and you had your success, I had my success. But the thing is, like, instead of us fighting each other, let's join forces. Imagine the impact we could do if we join forces and take people like the person who's taking to your limit, Willer Yuta. What happens if we take a person like um, Daniel Garcia from 2.0 and get him away from that fucking joke of a fucking like thing they have? Willer Yuta's with the best friends. They're a fucking joke. Let's get him to wait. Let's get him the fuck away from that. What about Lee Mariotti from the um, the Nightmare Factory? If you and I were to join forces, we could take the AEW championship. We could like we would have to have we would have to have the joke of a champion like like uh hey man I'm in a page, a millennium cowboy. We wouldn't have a fucking guy posing a fucking dinosaur as a tag team champion. And we wouldn't have to have the guy who became famous by, by becoming a, or having a fucking vlog to be our TNT champion. We could run this place. Now I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but think about it, brother. Our legacies speak for themselves apart. But if we join forces and take Willa Yuta away from the best friends. 
if we take Daniel Garcia away from the 2.0, if we take Lee Mariotti from Nightmare Fa uh, like from Nightmare Faction and build our own fucking faction and build the future of AEW, I'm telling you, man, this angle, this segment, the words that were spoken during this match or the uh, post match was the best truth I would ever expect, though. And this is the best thing. I hope John Moxley agrees to it because, goddamn it, I want to see Daniel Bryanson. I want to see John Moxley handpicking their own people to become tag team champions, TNT champion, and goddamn it, eventually the world champion. Who would go against them? Who better than Brian Danielson? Who better than John Moxley to pick the future while they're the current champions? Because eventually, when they when their time folds and they're not able to keep like to keep the the, the standard bearer of what AEW is. At least they know they got Daniel Garcia. At least they know. At least they know they had um, Willa Yuta and Lee Mariotti and whoever the fuck they want to pick up after that. Though I think the segment was so brilliant, so perfect, and they started AEW match. This was the best thing that could have happened. What are your thoughts, my friend? Well, first of all, I'm a very big fan of Daniel Bryanson. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, but uh, sorry, it was a little joke. But uh, the thing is, I love this promo. Um, the Millennial Cowboy thing did kind of bother me a little bit because, uh, I have not been too thrilled with how Adam Page is being treated, but we'll get to that later. I love the dinosaur comment and I loved the vlogger comment because, um, as everybody knows, I'm cool with Jurassic Express. By the way, Elvis, did you ever get a look at that, that picture I sent you like a long time ago? Which one? The one where, uh, it has, um, it's Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, but they're photoshopped into X-Pac and Kane. I have not seen that, but it's pretty funny. They basically try to compare them to like X Pac and Kane when they were tag team champs. It's hilarious. Um, but the vlogger thing, and everybody knows like Sammy G. I've slowly not become a fan of. Everybody knows I'm calling. I've been calling him the Spanish Spot Monkey because I'm sick of the fact. And I and even deep down, a lot of announcers are too. Where literally he's becoming like a pale version of Ricochet, and I'm not enjoying any of it. So. That shot, that was a great shot too. So, I, so Daniel Bryan was speaking the truth here, and I'm sorry I keep calling him that because it's, it's it rolls off the tongue for me better than Bryan Danielson. But I hear you. it's um, I love it. I would love to see him and Mox try to run the place. It'd be something different for John Moxley, because you know him and Daniel Bryan as a team, I think would be great. Um, Wheeler Yuta, Daniel Garcia, Dante Martin, Lee Morality, Morality or whatever you pronounce his name. Um. I think those. I think some of those guys will be great. Um, Dante Martin, I don't really know, because uh, like I said, that, that guy's not. That guy is so dull. Like no, I, I hear you, and it seems like I, I kind of agree with you too, because like the past couple of weeks they've been building like um, Dante Martin supposed to be like this big extravagance thing, whatever. Everyone's a coach. I'm like Team Taz was after him. Leo Rush was after him. I'm like I don't get the appeal. Like don't get me wrong, he does some. You know some spot monkey shit, and the thing is, like, I'm not, I'm not a person who would like downplays spot monkey shit, whatever. And I, and I see talent where talent's at, but like, you know, Dante Martin is not something that's gonna be like heavyweight contendership. He's he's more gonna be like a TBS TNT championship caliber, like mid card, but he's not gonna be like a world heavyweight championship. So I'm sorry, but no. But for me, see Dale Bryanson with like Dale Garcia, that's a match made in heaven. Those two coaching each other, getting to the next level. That is gold. Yeah. Willa Yuta under the apprentice uh, under apprenticeship of fucking like John Moxley. That is fucking gold. Lee Mariotti, he's with number collective, but at the same time, like him breaking away from like Dustin or whatever, like um uh Marshall like uh QT Marshall. QT Marshall, whatever. Breaking away from that though and like get into that group, I'm totally behind it because the thing is you have Brian Danielson, greatest fucking wrestler 
of our generation. And the thing is, like, you could you could argue with me and say maybe he is, maybe he's not. I don't give a shit what you say. In my own personal opinion, because you know I'm just a wrestling fan, Dale Bryanson under the tutelage or Dale Garcia under the tutelage of Brian Ellison is a match made in heaven. I mean, Willa Uter under the tutelage of John Moxley, it makes fucking sense. And once they like get them and mold them and breathe life into them and get them over, they can sit there and take on more and more proteges. More and more over. It'll be it'll be like the Dark Order back when the Dark Order meant something. When they were first recruiting people to make them better. Hey, are you sick and tired of losing? Are you sick and tired of doing this? Yeah. Joy our cause. It's like Brian Dallison and Moxley doing a Dark Order, but way fucking better. 2.0 in this day and age of AEW. Yeah. Now you talk. Now we talk about people being under their wing. Are you aware of who outside of AEW, like not in the storyline, that some that Daniel Bryan is actually taking somebody under his wing that you know very well? Um. You know. In you know. Enlighten me, please, Benny. Enlighten our our viewers of what's going on right now. Currently, the TBS Women's Champion Jade Cargill is being trained by Daniel Bryan. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> So I don't know. Do you think he could? Because if he can make a wrestler out of her, sign me up. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, though. Like, I mean, like, I I do not like Jay Cargill at all. I, I think she's fucking hot garbage. I know you do. That's why I, um, like you know, I mean, does she have some potential? Like, here's the thing, though. Remember about a year and a half ago when we talked about Britt Baker? Okay. Oh, I remember. Said she had I remember. remember we talked about like how she has potential, but she's gonna have to find her timing and give her time on a mic, give her time on a ring, whatever, and she's eventually gonna find herself. Yeah. Jade Cargill, she's got the look, and that's good. She's got the look. But Dale Bryanson's gonna have to convince me 110% that she's gonna be something that's gonna be a future in the company because the thing is, she's got a look, and that's, that's always good to have. But she's gonna have to change a lot of things about herself to get to her next step because as of right now, I see no potential to her except for the fact that she has white hair and she's she's got a manager and she's got the first TBS championship. Congratulations. You know what, though? Congratulations. You won against Ruby Soho, and I'm sorry about I'm going to say later on this podcast, Ruby Soho is not a big person to fight in this match. I'm sorry. When it comes to the women's division, it's garbage. Um, Jade Cargo, you're garbage as of right now. Prove me wrong. I want, and I want you to. I have low expectations for you. I hope one day I could get the expectation and say, you know what, though? She might be something different, but she's not. I don't see any potential in her. She's a big, strong, badass bitch. Well, she wasn't, she, was, she wasn't calling herself that bitch. But to me, you're not that bitch. You're not, you're not nothing. You're garbage to me. Prove me wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Because the thing is, like, I take a lot of stock in a lot of different wrestlers. I give people so many chances when it comes to wrestling and put himself over that I give, like, the benefit of doubt to a lot of wrestlers. Jade Cargill, you have not impressed me not one ounce. And I must say my, my opinion counts towards anything because it doesn't. Make your own opinion about Jay Cargo. If you think she'd be a future star, fantastic. In my personal opinion, I think she's garbage. She should never win a championship. They should give it to somebody else. I'm not going to say who. Anybody but her. Let yourself prove yourself. Get yourself through a 10-minute match. Let me see what kind of potential you have. Until you get there, you're garbage in my eyes. So Jay Cargo, you're shit. If Brian Dallison is taking a liking to you, maybe he sees something in you. And make yourself better. But at the same time, until that happens, J. Cargill, right now, you are negative one. And if I see some improvement for you, I might give you a point or two. Again, my appointment doesn't matter for shit. But at the same time, in my eyes, you're nothing until you prove yourself. And J. Cargill is all flash and no sizzle. I'm sorry, but you're blind as fuck. You're vanilla. You, you can be more vanilla than fucking like Brandy Rhodes. So I'm sorry. You ain't shit. Yeah, I hear you. So, uh... 
What happens next? So, of course, we get Dan Lambert and a minute of the year come out to the ring. Obviously, Brandy Rhodes is in a ring. Hooray. Um, you know, I gotta say about this. This whole Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes thing, whatever, though. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I am a Cody Rhodes fan. I'll always be it. I'm not sure why the fans turn on him. They want him to turn heel. This whole segment about him turning heel is fucking garbage. Um, I like Cody Rhodes the way he is. He went from WWE, lifer, went to Ring of Honor, made a name for himself, went to New Japan, started a Bullet Club with the guys, whatever, and started a fucking company. Cody Rhodes is good. He is. And if you fucking like IWC motherfuckers want to sort of come at me, come at me. Because guess what? I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not anywhere. So come at me, fucks. I don't give a shit. Cody Rhodes is a good wrestler. I think he's great in the promos. As much as the IWC want to disagree with me, I'm completely fine with it. But you're going to sit there and take it on Brandy. And you know what, though? I'll give you credit. Brandy Rhodes sucked in this segment. She was the fucking worst. She came out there and Dan Lambert. So it was like one of those like parallel shifts where like it was like a double turn where like Brandy was supposed to be the face and Dan Lambert was supposed to be like the sexist fucking like old man in AEW calling out Brandy. But why did. Dan Lambert come out to be the fucking most cheered and the most revered person in this fucking feud. It's because Brandy fucking sucks. I don't get it. Why did she come out for? This segment, like, she, like, she's been in the wrestling business for a long time. She was an announcer for a while. She went to Ring of Honor. She had her time to wrestle. She went to New Japan. She came to AW. Her man's an EVP. And she still does not get timing when it comes to cutting off her promos. She sucks out loud. She's Jade Cargo, in my, in my opinion, because she doesn't get it. What do you think, Vinny? I agree with a lot of that. I will say this. Um, uh, to answer your question about why people hate Cody Rhodes, <laughs> the reason they hate him is for the reason they hate a, a, a certain wrestlers in the business. They feel like Cody's heart is not in it anymore. It's not just the fact that he that he won't turn heel. It's It, it goes a little beyond that. because It's because of the fact that he's doing... You know, between the Go Big Show and the shitty reality show that he has. And just, it seems like Cody is more interested in trying to break into Hollywood than trying to grow AEW. And wrestling fans are always like that. Anytime they feel like you're using the business as a stepping stone to get to somewhere else, it immediately turns them off. Immediately. It's why The Rock got booed in 2002 and 2003, you know. Uh, It's why a lot of other people got hated on. Like, Cena was the only one that managed to avoid it, and that's because he had been with WWE for so long that when he finally went part-time, it was like, thank God, he's finally taking a break. Dude, you're killing yourself. So you got... I mean, I kind of see the sentiment at the same time, but the thing is, like, I don't see it that way. And it might be against the majority when it comes to it. It's my own personal opinion, obviously. But I think Cody went from being a lifer from WWE because of his, let's just face it, Dusty Rhodes. Okay. He had lived the coattails of his father who, I mean, don't get me wrong, Dusty Rhodes was good. But he wasn't that great. Hard take. It's a hard take. Dusty Rhodes was not that great. In WCW, he was a booker. He did all his different things, whatever, though. And, like, he had a lot of great matches. But it's a hard take. I don't think Dusty Rhodes was that great. And dot in Cody had to live on the coattails of his father, and for some reason WWE built Dusty to be this immortal figure that Cody could never match up to. Nor his nor nor his brother, um, Dusty, right? Dustin. None of them. None. None of them. Dustin. So none of them could actually like 
live up to the hype of the, what his father was. But if you face it, Dust, Dusty um, was never as great as he really was. But because of history and a legend and everything else, you know, Dusty Rhodes is this immortal figure because of, like, the son of a plumber, the, you know, all his different stuff, whatever. He was a, an inanimate figure in wrestling lore for all those yesteryears of wrestling. He wasn't, like, great as anybody else. Like, he could move and jive, and he was smooth on a mic, but he wasn't, like, a top ten of anybody's list. I'm sorry, but if you, if I was to give you a list of the top five wrestlers of wrestling, I don't think he'll match your top five because there's so many ahead of him. I, I, I even be so bold and say top ten. And Dusty was good, but he wasn't great. But Cody was always in the show as father because he Dusty was never a top five or top ten wrestler in all the alums of wrestling. But his legend lore goes beyond anything else because he was such a hard-working man and he bled himself and did all these crazy matches. And, like, though he was a booker, I get it. But at the same time, Cody had to live in the shadow of that. And it's hard to live in that shadow. Like, for me, my name is Elvis. My name is Elvis fucking Delinsky. Do you know how hard it is to live with my name? Some people think like, oh, it's fucking easy. Your name is Elvis. It must be really fucking cool because your name is Elvis. It's hard. You know why? Because you know how many people I meet on a daily basis and I tell them my name is Elvis? They do a second take, okay? Then they ask me stupid questions. Was your mom a big fan? Was your dad a big fan? My name has nothing to do with the actual man himself, but it gets questioned all the time. They don't take you seriously or it's some kind of bullshit story I sit there and play along with. Oh, I, I remember. I remember a couple years ago. Um, actually, it was a few years back when I was on the uh, I used to do I used to be I used to make regular appearances on the Don Geronimo show in Sacramento, and I mentioned your name because uh, we were hanging out uh, earlier that day. He asked me what my plans were. I said, "Well, me and my buddy Elvis are doing this," and everybody would keep asking me, "Is is Elvis a real person?" And I'm like, "Yeah, he is a real person." I finally had to I had to I had to tag you on Twitter and tell people. Yes, he's a real person. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not the hunky talk man, but at the same time, it's like, you yeah. know, it's it's big shoes to live up to. Like, you know, having a name like Elvis, and I don't think a lot of people realize it, though. When you have a name that is synonymous with a public figure that's always going to be, like, you know, etched in, the, in the, the, the figure of history, those are big shoes to fill. Yeah. And if you don't live up to it, it's like either a joke or something else, and it's it's big shoes to fill. Now... I might not think about it because my name is Elvis. It sounds weird. Like it's, I'm always going to be synonymous with those people like named like Otto or Buzz or all these different people. It's a weird name to live up to. So imagine you're Cody living behind a shadow of a person named of Dusty who's supposed to be an American dream. He like Everybody everybody knows the song. And so as you hear his music, you pop. Oh, man, he comes dream. Right? Yeah. He's just Dust, a common like Dustin, man. Like, like, like Dustin could never live up to it. Good. Cody could never live up to it. And the thing is, like, Cody has done so much in his life. He was alive for WWE. Ring, went to Ring of Honor. Tried to make a name for himself, and he did. With in New Japan. Out with a cool-ass fucking click with the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, came out of the page. They did a Bullet Club thing for a while. And they thought, you know what, though? Wrestling is not the way it's supposed to be. Let's make our own fucking company. So they, they whispered in the ear of Tony Khan and made a company. Now we have this amazing product we have right now that we're talking about right now. AEW is a close substitute to WWE. And let's face it, folks. I know Vinny's a big fan of WWE. And, and listen, that's fine. You can be a fan of whatever wrestling you want to do, whatever. I've always been counterculture when it comes to wrestling. So when Cody, the Young Bucks, and... Uh, um, Kenny Omega decided to like take a chance and gamble themselves and do something different and make a whole new organization. 
instead of Impact to be number two, we got AEW. As soon as you hear WWE is releasing somebody, you're thinking, how long will it be? Is it going to be two months, three months, six months before this person debuts in AEW? Because they're the most talking, they're talking to town. Cody Rhodes, no matter what he does, if he becomes a politician, if he starts his own company, he does whatever, he's never going to live up to the name of Dusty Rhodes. And it sucks because he's done so much more than his father. He's never going to live up. He's never going to live up to the name of Dusty Rhodes. And it's weird because Cody's done so much more than his father. His father would be so proud of him. 100%. For the bumps. He's done so much more when it comes to bumps, when it comes to spots, when it comes to starting a company, to be a counterculture thing against the very machine that destroyed Dusty in the first place. Dusty was a fucking god in, like, Southern wrestling. When he came to WWE, he made him a joke wearing polka dots and jiving and juking and whatever and doing, like, all these horrible fucking skits, whatever. But he persevered. Then he became a fucking role model. He went to NXT and molded people like the very people we we love, like Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch and Seth and, Rollins. Enzo and Cass. And Roman Reigns. And everybody. Dusty was he walked through a mile of shit and came out clear on the other side because WWE likes to sit there and shit on WCW people. But the thing is, like, Dusty, brilliant mind, he he saw potential in people. He made everybody better. No matter what Cody does in his lifetime, he's never going to mount up. Even though, like, although he built all those people up, Cody has done more than Dusty. But the IWC will never acknowledge it yeah, or see it until he's fucking dead. That's the sad part. And the thing is... Cody even said himself, he went from undesirable to ungoddamn deniable. And a crowd went crazy when he said it. Not only that, I've always respected Cody Rhodes for the same reason I don't respect Charlotte Flair. Because Cody never once tried to mooch off his father's name. Never walked to the ring in polka dots. Never called himself the grandson of a plumber. He did kind of speak with a lisp, but that's because his dad had one and, you know, monkey yeah, see, monkey do. You can't take it away from him. Like, Cody has done more than I mean, Dusty Rhodes has done in his lifetime. And Cody Rhodes is not very respected, this is a, unfortunately, until he's dead. Yeah, and here's the thing. Or, 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 at least, or, or, at least, or at least until, like, he's past his prime. No, I it's kind of like John Cena thing. It's like John, the, the whole John Cena thing. John Cena, for years, I mean, aside from yourself... But fans like me, who was part of I IWC, unfortunately, during that time, we booed the shit out of Johnson because he was super senior. He was winning every match. Like, we had a fantasy wrestling thing, whatever, though. But on Cena, because you're always going to win, right? But, like, during his last summer of Cena, whatever, we, we actually applauded and we cheered for Johnson. You know why? Because he went through 12 years of shit to get what he's supposed to. Same thing with Roman Reigns. You were pushing on our throats. We didn't want it. When he, became, when he became head of the table, when he joined up forces with Paul Heyman, we're like, okay, this is something different. Cody is in a, is in a turmoil right now. Like, I'm not sure if it's a storyline or whatever the fuck it is, but the thing is, like, people should put respect on a tongue of Cody Rhodes because he's done so much for the business. As much as you want to hate him on IWC, and, like, I hate the IWC right now because you should respect the man that Cody is. He's done so much for wrestling business. And the thing is, like, people are throwing it off like it's, oh, it's, it's it's whatever. No, it's not whatever. He took a gamble on himself. He made a company that is thriving. And, like, he's making the best of every situation. And IWC turned it back on him. I, for one, am, am, am a Cody truther. I'll say that out loud. So hopefully you guys come at me on whatever social media because I'm not on it. But at the same time, Cody, Cody, in my book, is fantastic. He throws a great promo. He throws amazing matches. Now, he's never going to have a five-star match. He's never going to have that. But I don't need that out of Cody. I need him to do what he does best. 
He tells a story in a ring. He tells a story in a mic. And he gets you invested in what he does. So you know what, though? Cody, in my book, he's amazing. Yeah. And here's the thing about Cody. Like I said, I respect him for the same reason I don't respect Charlotte Flair. Because Cody's had the ability to not mooch off his parents' name or his dad's name. But most importantly, he can reinvent himself at any time. When, yeah. he, when he went on on his own, he was he did the dashing Cody Rhodes, which was a great gimmick. Coming mm-hmm. out there, being vain with the mirror and all that. And they had the mirror set up to where he was looking at himself and it was coming down to the ring. This was before Tyler Breeze and the selfie, by the way. This is the original. Then, True. not only that, True. then he got the incident with Rey Mysterio where he drop kicked him in the face and he thought he was ugly. So what did he do? He put this weird plastic Phantom of the Opera-like mask on. He would come to the ring, and not only that, every time he knocked somebody out, he put a paper bag over their head. And it got so Even the fans. over. Even the fans. Yeah, and it got so over, like, at, he would come out to the ring, he put it over the fans. It got so freaking over, and f- people would literally sit up front and would be begging Cody to put a paper bag over their head. Like, yeah, it I, got it, over tremendously. And then he went back to being just Cody and was still over. He even got I think, freaking I, Stardust over before we all got tired of it. I, I think that the angle between him and Sandow, that thing, which I, I think was brilliant. But I think they should have given Cody the money in the bank that one time when yes. Sandow won it. That was the biggest mistake. Given, was not, was that was the biggest it. mistake. He was white lightning hot, dude. Like, he was like Daniel, like, he was like Daniel Bryan. I'm going to say his name in WWE terms. He was white lightning hot. And they gave it to Sandow. And after, after that happened, like, everybody's like, okay, fuck this company. Yeah. It was I'm a bad sorry, decision. But, like, I'm not sorry. It was it was bad. And so anyway, yeah. So Cody absolutely deserves respect and everything else that comes with it, whether he turns heel or not. Like the only time I want to see Cody turn heel is if he decides to go for the world championship because he can't do it, babyface. He can't. He can't. That's not possible. But but as a heel, he's perfect. Yes, but if he doesn't want, but if he doesn't want to be the world champion, stay exactly the way you are. Don't turn heel if it's not going to lead to you getting the world title, because then you're just doing it just to do it, and it's not going to work. But that being said, I got to get back to this well, thing. Yeah, I mean, we got sidetracked for a while, and I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. But at the same time, like you know, what had to be said had to be said. So um, next, we get uh, Brady Rhodes. She's in the she's in the ring. And she loves coming to Cleveland where everybody is nice to her or Chicago, whatever, same thing. And then my personal hero, Dan Lambert, comes out with Men of the Year. And I'm not sure if you're uh, really keen on uh, Dan, Dan Lambert. That, that motherfucker knows wrestling. Yes. Okay, he knows wrestling. And he comes out there, and it's funny because um, Brandy Rhodes comes out as a fucking face, and Dan Lambert, and within this promo, there's a double turn. Dan Lambert becomes the hero. And Brandy becomes the heel because no one gives a shit what the fuck Brandy Rhodes. And let me, this is my problem with Brandy Rhodes. She's been in the business for quite some time, okay? She was a ring announcer. She met Cody. They got married. They had kids. They have a shitty TV show that nobody watches. She's had plenty of time in the business to really get her pacing down, to get her. Remember what we talked about last year about Britt Baker? Like, dude, she's so close. She's right there. She's at the cusp of it. It's going to happen. And it took her about a year to figure it out. Now she's got her timing. She's perfect. DMD, like, dude, DMD is over as fuck. Brandy had more time than Britt Baker to get her shit together. And she could not be over as fuck because, like, she is so god-awful. 
And I want to root for her because, like, you know, she is part of the Rhodes family and everything else. I get it. But at the same time, she sucks out loud. And the fact that Dan Lambert, who's a sexist old man who has probably the most prolific, like, you know, um, alpha academy that she has up, oh, he has over there. Dan Lambert is heralded as a fucking hero while Brandy Rhodes is set there as a fucking piece of shit. And the thing is, like, this angle really, really shed a, a spotlight on a difference between Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, and Dan Lambert. Cody's good on the mic. He's great. But the fans are going to boo him. Brandy Rhodes, after all these years of knowing what the fuck to do, she's supposed to be the chief marketing and branding for women's division. And still, she sucks at her job. She got ticket. She got owned on a mic by Dan Lambert's. What are your thoughts? Okay, what I loved about this was, um, you know, Brandy comes out and you can instantly tell nobody likes her. Um, Dan Lambert comes out and says, you know, you got a reality show, you need a reality check, and I'm like, okay, I'm not, yeah, not, that was good. Yeah, he says, you know, you could we could pretend Cody earned his spot in this company. I was like. All right, he's doing the heel thing. Then he's like, we can pretend chief branding officer is a real thing, which I love that line because I don't think that's a real thing. It's it's ridiculous. It's, it's, I've never thought that job title meant a damn thing. And he's like, and we can pretend her brandy from the block attitude is a real thing. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Brandy is a lot of things. One thing she is not is ghetto. And trust me, I know I've I've dated a lot of women in my life. I know ghetto when I see it. She ain't ghetto. Um, she is she is she is a suburban chick, straight up. There's no way you gonna tell me she grew up on the mean streets of anything. I ain't buying it. Um, he said, and and he feels like a great guy in front of her. It's true. He's like he's like he said, I'm sexist. I'm conservative. I hate this company, and yet they they love me more than you. I feel like a decent human being standing next to you. So, boom, it was shot, shot, shot. Then Brandy tries to come back and say things like, you know, Ethan Page, we only hired you to get to Josh Alexander. I'm not going to lie, I kind of like that, Burns. I'm not an Ethan Page fan. But um, Brandy starts fan. talking. Chicago does shut the fuck up, which is beautiful. Brandy's like, are you done? No, they're not, which is beautiful. She says, it's a little telling that his best fighter got knocked out by Jake Paul. Okay. Then he said something else. He goes, Lambert should spend a little more time with American top tits or team. And you could just tell that line didn't hit. Like, the crowd was like, wow, that was so lame. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was fucking horrendous. That was horrendous. That was the worst thing. And then even, even Dan Lambert was like, wow. Yeah. And then what happens... <laughs> Lambert comes in with the best line of the night. Doesn't she think all he doesn't think all the roads should turn heel? No, she thinks all the roads should turn heel because the only face turn she's making and is is at her old job when she's face down. Fucking loved it. Yeah, it was perfect. Brand I mean, like Dan Lambert nailed it. Yes, oh, it was beautiful. Face down, I'm like, oh shit, that's good. Then Brandy does the slap, which I hate seeing in wrestling. I hate when they do that. It, cause it, it, every time a woman slaps a guy in wrestling, it always buries the guy, no matter what. 
because there's no retaliation. You have to wait for a girl to come in to get the retaliation. I hate that. It's the worst who, booking in wrestling, and, we, and this and, shit needs to stop. And who, and who do we get for retaliation on this one? Oh, I'll, I'm going to get into that. Out comes Paige Van Zant, And Whoa. now, I don't really know Paige Van Zant all that well. I've only seen her in a couple of segments. The last time I saw her, she was allegedly trying to slide into Jericho's DMs. So I don't know too much about Paige Van Zandt. I do know this. I'm about to use a word that we're not allowed to use in wrestling, but it's the only way I can describe what I, the, the abomination that I saw following. This is one of the fakest things I've ever seen. Fuck you. I have to watch Paige Van Zandt pick Brandy up and walk her to the corner and put her there and hit her because God forbid you throw a working punch. You can't mess up Brandy's face because apparently that's the only way she can draw money because it's standing there looking pretty. So if you get rid of the pretty, she can't make the money. And within three seconds of this, before any brawl can actually start, the women immediately come down and separate the two. They just hot shot the whole, well, I mean, at like least throw a punch. Do a tackle to the ground. Do a little bit of a cat fight. Then bring the people out. Like, then you bring them out. Then you, you separate know, you know them. What? You have them. And then as you're separating them, they start fighting and getting through. And like, I'm going to kill you, you little bitch. And I'm like, bring it on. All in. Fucking just look like you want to kill each other. Can I get some believability? That was pathetic. And I, I don't think, know if it's because think... Brandy has to be handled delicately or Paige Van Zant doesn't know what the fuck she's doing, but that was pathetic. I, I think I think I think would better a better angle if had Dan Lambert came out there with a pillow and says just 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 push your face on it. You know what to do. Yeah. It just it was it, it was they could have just ended it right it was pathetic. That was a pathetic brawl. Yeah, was, that was pretty shitty, though. But you know what, though? Vinny, I'm going to cut you off right there. Hope you don't mind. Go um, ahead, I know go we have ahead, a segment to go to the next one. Sure. But um, I failed to mention what happened in the very beginning of the match. What What happened? Danhausen happened. Oh, so nice. Danhausen so started a show with Willie Yoda. Apparently, he's friends with, I mean, if you guys have been watching on YouTube and everything else, uh, uh, Willie Yoda and the best friends, and especially <laughs> Orange Cassie, is friends with Danhausen. So Danhausen appeared. On the very top of the hour. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know who Dan Housen is, I'll tell you what, though. This is my diagnosis. If you watch Dan Housen at least once a day on your YouTube channel, and if you want to follow him on YouTube, it's called Love Dead Dan Housen. Watch Dan Housen once a day, and I would guarantee you at least 20% of your happiness will be brought to you within 20%. Now, don't watch too many of them. Let Dan Housen's aura kind of like work on you for a little bit, though. But Dan Housen was in attendance tonight, though. It was the beginning of the match. He came out with the best friends with um, the best friends with um, Orange Casting Willie Yoda during that John Moxley match. But I did have to point out that because Mr. Danhausen was actually there, and I do have an autograph. Thank you so much, Mr. Vinny Bucci. You're welcome. Uh, um, Vinny, would you explain what happened and how I got this? Uh, amazing autograph from Mr. Denhausen? Yes. Uh, a few months back, uh, back actually it was Thanksgiving weekend, I got to go to North Carol uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina for WrestleCade, which was by far one of the best times I've had as Buff Bagwell's agent. Um, it's actually where I got upgraded from manager to agent. Um, we were, you know, aside from wanting to strangle Dylan Fulton, I had a fantastic time. So we were meeting fans. There were wrestlers everywhere. 
You know, Buff was getting to meet some of the boys. I got to meet some of the boys. Lodi came up and said hi to me because we've worked many shows together. The Good Brothers marked out when I saw them because they were more excited to see me. They were just as excited to see me as I was to see them. Uh, it was great. And then all of a sudden, I'm walking through and I see Dan Housen. And at the time, he had a boot because he messed up his uh, tibia fibia, as he called it. Um, and he was... You know, going around, doing vlogs, doing his thing with FTR and a few others. And um, right around Sunday night, um, while while Buff and Michael were doing the Rebuilding Buff live appearance, I kind of stepped out for a minute to go check on the Good Brothers. We were trying to get them to come to the table and say a few words. But they got swamped with so many fans, they couldn't leave. You know, they got to make their money, which I respect. You know, we as we say in the business, make your paper boo-boo. So we go over to, I happen to see Danhausen's um, table. So I realized, oh shit, he's still here. So I ran outside. When I tell you guys I blew up Elvis's phone, that's not an exaggeration. I called that motherfucker six times in a row and said, I'm like, pick up, pick up, pick up, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Finally yeah, got him on I the phone. Finally. And I said, dude, Danhausen is right outside this door. Do you want an autograph? And what do you want written on it? And he told me. I went inside. I asked, I said hi to him again. They asked me if I wanted a picture with him. I said, I'm good. I already got one yesterday. I'm just here to get this 8x10. And uh, I want you to put two Elvis. And he put two Elvis Housen, because that's how he refers to other people. He puts Housen at the end. And he said, so nice, so evil, signed it, and got it to me. And I managed to transport it all the way back to Georgia. And then when we went to AEW uh, about a week later, that's when I finally gave it to Elvis. I was so happy because I I've been a I, I mean like how how long have I how long have I talking about Dan Housen like the, a, a long time right yeah you for, in the weeks leading up to WrestleCade you were not you would not shut up about him I couldn't help it like like seriously like his vo his um his views are so intoxicating and they like really like are. it's weird because like you want to hate it but you can't he's so infectious he's so fun he's so like so fun loving and he gives so much of his crap and he like he's been busting his ass. To get to where he's at, though, with the whole like Jericho Cruz and everything else, and um, I couldn't be happier for a wrestler um than Danhausen. I mean, like if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you're gonna love it eventually. Yeah. Um, the only thing, the only thing I can really say is go on love that Danhausen, love that Danhausen on YouTube. Watch his videos, get a good scope of who he is, and like watch his skits with like the Ass Boys, um, the Gun Club. I think it's pretty gold. Um, him with like, Ethan Page and then like Evil Uno and everything else. Like the the way he, I'll tell you what though, when he gets with uh, MGF, it's really gonna pick up. So we'll we'll, we'll, we'll digress. Let, let's do the show. We've been we've been well, sidetracking well, a lot. Well, let me just say this real quick before we get back on there. Danhausen is so popular. Even got, even people like uh, Gator and Jim Cornette think he's awesome. Like, yeah, it's weird. Like, Cornette likes Danhausen, but he's never watched him wrestle, and he said he's never going to because he knows if he does, it'll it'll take away the love that he has for Danhausen. So Corny will never watch his matches, but he's highly entertained by his character. Um, well, because, well, because like Danhausen did like a promo for his birthday or something about like uh, Jim Cornette, and like Dan, I mean, the fact that Jim Cornette, who's a big detractor of AEW. Is on board with uh, with Danhausen. I am I am so happy because listen, I'm not, I'm not gonna talk shit about the, uh, uh, Jim Cornette because listen, I listen to the motherfucker. Um, I don't agree with everything he says. I truly don't. But the thing is, like, he is a historian. He is a living legend, and um, I hope he lives for another twenty years because the thing is, like, I think 
Tony Khan listens to him, and he does. You know, he had a lot of, a lot of animosity against a lot of wrestlers who aren't good. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. Tony Khan will never listen to him about his ideas about um, Kenny Omega because he's not going to. But there's, there's a lot of le- lesser wrestlers that are not that great that their contracts are coming up, and they will be released. And I'm happy for that. But Jim Cornette, in all his faults, in all his degrees, Jim Cornette, I think, is one of the best wrestling minds in wrestling. It's just that sometimes when he hits the mark, he's really dead on. And when he's off, my God, is he off. So I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. but And I remember um, I watched this match that he had where he fought Brian Johnson for a Ring of Honor contract at Final Battle like two years ago. And mm-hmm. at first, and I told him this to his face. So he knows how I feel about this. And I said, at first, I was watching, and, I, and all of a sudden I hear, because because of the fa- because of some reason with the cameras in Ring of Honor, even though it's an empty arena, you still have a hard time hearing certain things. So all of a sudden I hear, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, what the hell is he doing? And he's like moving around and dancing around. I'm like, and I'm like, what the fuck? And I even told him, like, dude, when I'm listening to this, I'm sitting there going, the fuck is he doing? And all of a sudden I hear tequila. I fell on the floor laughing. As soon as I heard tequila and then he kicked him in the face, I never laughed so hard in my life. And I was like, that was awesome. He's he, and he was literally doing the Pee Wee Herman dance. I found out later that someone they showed it from a different camera angle because I couldn't see it on the screen because they were showing Brian slowly getting up, which is why I enjoyed it. It was Brian wasn't just standing there like a statue while Danhausen danced around. He's slowly getting up. Danhausen's timing it. Then as soon as he's like standing straight up, it's tequila. Boom! Kicked in the face. Uh, that won me over. I told Dan Housen, that won me over. And he started laughing. And he went, thanks, man. I appreciate it. He's, trying, he's being all humble and nice about it. He's like, nah, thank you, man. That means a lot. So I, Dan Housen has my stamp of approval. I love him. I definitely love him more than I love the other guy that no, was with him. I mean, like, you know, every, every everything's got their time and place, whatever. But I think it's like he's really running his craft or whatever. And listen, again, I'm, I'm just going to promote Dan Housen. I, I, it, it prompted me to go literally go on Pro Wrestling Tees. I bought myself a Dan Housen shirt tonight. So right now is uh, February 2nd, 2022. Um, I'll probably be getting my Dan Housen shirt in the next, I don't know, by the time I get back from Puerto Rico. So I am fine. So let's get back to the party. Let's get back to the show. Let's go back to what's going on. So backstage between Matt Hardy and you have Private Party, the Blade and the Bunny. Um, and he said uh, he's very disappointed in Private Party for not winning the Tag Team Championships. Uh, since Zanny Guevara is holding up the Open Challenge for TNT, that he wants that title. Of course, Andrade El Idolo rolls up and he's also disappointed and says, Matt, um, that uh, he wants Isaiah, Caddy, Isaiah Cassie to go for the title shit. Um, here's the thing. Isaiah is not a really good choice, and I think what's going to happen is they're going to drop Private Party, which is going to bring Andretti El Idolo to be the main forefront winner of the Tag Team Championship. They're going to bring Jeff Hardy, which he's going to be on eventually, and get rid of Private Party because uh, when he does lose the match, which eventually he will, it's going to bring up the, the Hardy boys, come back and have a reunion. El Idolo will be the main benefactor, either going for the TNT Championship or TBS Championship, and then go for the World Championship. So I think Private Party, the writing's on the wall. It's done. Because if he doesn't win, El Idolo wants him out. Matt Hardy wants him out. And uh, it's all done. Yeah. All I can say is I had never been so hyped 
and then let down in one promo s- segment. How's that? I'm How's like, that? I'm watching this. And I'm hearing Matt Hardy go off on Private Party. And he goes, he goes, Sammy Guevara has a TNT title. I want that title. And I perked up. I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be good. We're going to get Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Matt Hardy's going to take that title away from the Spanish spot monkey. Like, I'm hopping up and down in my chair. It's going to be great. I want to see this. And then all of a sudden, Andrade El Idiot shows up. And then they start chatterboxing around. Then all of a sudden, I hear Isaiah Cassidy is going to fight Sammy. And I immediately went, oh, okay. That totally took the wind out of my sails completely. And I'm like, oh, great. This is. And then they start talking about Darby Allen. And I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, thank you, Matt. Thank you for the thank you for the biggest letdown you've ever given me since dropping the broken gimmick. Oh God, I that I was uh, I'm I'm so disappointed. That was a letdown. That was yeah, everybody. But it feels like it, it, it fits the narrative that the private party's gonna break up or at least leave the Hardy compound, and they're gonna be like this baby face, whatever. But like they're gonna get lost in the sauce. Let's face it. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy are gonna come back together as like the Hardy Boys. And like you know, take over and do some crazy shit. So that's fine though. So that's fine. But um, you know, aside from that though, that's fine. If we get private party breaking away from HFO, let them be jobbers because that's what they are. I think they had a future at first when they first got taken into HFO, and uh, they haven't really done anything of significance in quite some time. So you know what though, it's time to cut off the dead weights. Have the Hardy Boys come into that, that fold. Have Andrade, and uh, you know, if if Andrade and the Hardy Boys and the Butcher and the Blade are going to be in that little faction. Who does want to see John Moxley and Brian Danielson get their team together? It's all about factions, right? So let's make it happen. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, so so uh, Elvis, what's the, what happens next? So next we have a match between Death Triangle, Pac, and Pento El Zero Merdo versus the King of the Black Throne, Brody King, and Malachi Black. So obviously you have Brody King, which he's pretty fucking awesome, and Malachi Black come out first and do their entrance. And then you had uh, Pento El Zero Merdo come out, though, with Pac, who was obviously in a blindfold. Um, Alex Abrahante was walking into the ring. And I got to say, this was a pretty fucking awesome match. I love Pac. I love Pento El Zero Merdo. Um, I do like Brody King and Malachi Black. So no matter what happened in this match, I was truly wrestling entertained because these two brought it, though. Pac is a fucking bastard. Let's face it. Um, he was staying out the best wrestler in this match. Malachi Black did his best when it came to it, though. Now, we did have to end this match with the King of Blacks, the pinfall by Dante's Inferno, which was on Penta, which is kind of an unfortunate thing. But at the same time, if there's one wrestling match, which I'm going to say right now, I always say that if there's one wrestling match you got to watch for the week, watch this match. It was fucking good. Top to bottom, story-wise, psychology, wrestling, and the win. Am I wrong, Vinny? No. Um, I will say this, because um, it it's hard to tell them apart during the entrance. Who was the guy that came out looking like the antlers from that tw- from that film that came out last year? That was that was Malachi. Malachi came yeah. out with the horns. My, and Brody is King it just was me, like, or does he look like that supernatural Wendigo antlers guy from that horror movie that came out last year? I mean, he might. I mean, I, I don't really know because like, the whole House of Black is kind of a weird sentiment, but like yeah. it's got that supernatural feel, so I'm cool with it. Um, I like the House of Black. I think it's really good. Um, okay. It's really working for Malachi Black. I think Malachi Black's been like the best, best representation of that character as opposed to WWE. I'm sorry, but like he was good in NXT. He went to the main roster and was garbage. He came to AEW and like they've done more with him in the past, in the first two weeks he was there as opposed to his whole road in WWE. My personal opinion. That's just me. But whatever. Yeah. Um, 
but, but yeah, I think but like uh, match Roach... went, uh, I I will say that it was a solid tag team match. Like I gotta give it to him, and I love the fact because I'm seeing I'm seeing Pac come out with the blindfold, and I'm like, oh my god, what 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 the hell is this? What's going on here? I, know. I was doing the same thing. And then all of a sudden he hits, all of a sudden he hits a big move, takes the blindfold off, and I'm like, oh my god, that was awesome. I loved it, loved it. This had me on the edge of my seat. It was a great great match. Like I I. I can't complain about this one. I mean, yeah, sure, there were a few spots, but Pac knows how to time his shit. That's why I don't get he mad is. when he does a lot of spots. I I, I, I also think that um, Pac is going to join the House of Black. That's just me. Um, I think Pac, Brody King, and Malachi Black, the same group, I think would be perfect. I mean, that's just me thinking out loud. I think Pac is so prolific. I think Malachi Black is so prolific. I think Brody King, like... We've only got a couple glimpses of, like, well, we had, like, two, three weeks to think about him. But the thing is, like, those three together would be a, would be a force to be reckoned with. So if Pac decides to join, like, leave that triangle and join up with uh, Malachi Black, that, that'd be um, unbelievable. Absolutely. So uh, what happens after this? Well, we had a snoozer. Um, oh, God. I'm going to say it loud. Like, okay, so we had... Nella Rose versus Roby Soho. So, Wait. guys, we all know the women's division in AEW is not that strong. And uh, when Ruby Soho was first announced that she was coming to AEW, I was super ecstatic. I was. I was like, she's got a vast knowledge of the product. She was any wrestler. She struggled. She truck. She trucked through a whole bunch of bullshit. When she got released by WWE, I was like, oh man, they didn't give her a true chance to really be herself. And she came to AEW. And I thought, like, she would have done something different. Like, a new rebel. Like, like, some kind of revolutionary thing for the women's division. And let's face it, she can't, she can't face herself out of her own jacket. Now, this match was pretty good. Okay. Nala Rose. Ruby Soho. It was it was a good match when it comes to women's wrestling. But, again, I cannot get behind Ruby Soho because, like, she's supposed to be the veteran. She's supposed to be the one carrying the match. She's supposed to be the one with the name notoriety of where she came from and what she's been doing. And she was always complaining about like, well, Crave didn't have anything for me. I could, I could, I could have been so much more. I could, have been, I could have done so much more. I could have been more had I had the freedom to do what I'm supposed to do. You come to AEW, you have exactly what you want. You're given the tools. You're given the platform. You're given the soapbox to preach what you want to do. And you come to AEW and squander it. I, for one, and the thing is, like, I hate to say it. I'm not a fan of, of Nettle Rose. I'm not a fan of uh, uh, Ruby Soho. But this match, in my opinion, made Nella Rose hell of a lot more better of a wrestler, a female's wrestler, than Ruby Soho. And that's speaking a lot because I'm going to give two fucks about Nella Rose. And now I'm going to give two fucks about Ruby Soho. And I want to be there because, like, the thing is, like, uh, Lars himself from Rancid was there, who gave her the name of Ruby Soho from his album, Out, you know, Out With The Wolves. I want to get behind Ruby Soho, but the thing is, like, God damn it, she sucks out loud. I can't get behind her. Vinny, what are, what are your thoughts about this? I I didn't enjoy this. This is this is an example of the type of women's wrestling that both of us have hated since AEW showed up. Like yeah. we have said since day one, since day one, and here's and here's how I know it's true. Because the first time, and Elvis, you can back me up on this. When we first went to AEW, when we bought those tickets for donating to the uh, American Heart Association, and we were in, and we saw the cage match and Jeff Cobb and all that, I said this when we were standing in line, and everyone that was there agreed with me. We have said that when it comes to all elite wrestling, the tag team division was their bread and butter. That Absolutely. was 
They have the best tag team division in all of wrestling. But their weakest link was their women's division. There was a woman, a woman standing right behind us. And even she said, yeah, you're right. D did they not agree with me? No, they did. Absolutely. And the thing is, Total like, agreement. you can't, like, really, and you can't really fault it because, like, you know, the women's division, oh, don't be wrong, they've had, like, glimpses of good matches. Like, you know, what, uh, Serena Deeb, um, Hikari Ishida, um, you know, we've, we've had some moments of brilliance. But, like, when it comes to the win-losses, when it comes to the quality as opposed to the quantity of matches, when it comes to quantity, it's garbage. We've had some quality, but you really have to dig deep to find those matches out, though. Yeah. And when it comes to wrestling, you don't want to sit there and dig deep when it comes to that, though. It's really garbage things. So, Britt Baker is in the world of her own. She's doing fantastic things. The thing is, like, we have matches like this, and Ruby Soho, man, like, you're a runaway from WWE, but, like, I wish you'd just run away from AEW altogether. And the thing is, like, it pains me to say this because I had high hopes for you. I wanted you to be the shining lights to take us to the next level. And when you left WWE because you were restrained or you had handcuffs on or you were you were you imprisoned from your true self, and when you come to AEW, I thought like, oh, she's gonna unleash something different. But there's nothing about you that's different. The only thing that's different about you is like you look like a fucking bird. Your hair is a different color, and you have a lot of tattoos. And guess what? In a wrestling biz, you're a dime a dozen. So exactly. you're nothing great. I'm sorry, but you're not great. I wish I could say you were, but your actions. Not speak louder than the words. So, in my opinion, Ruby Soho is a stalemate. She's uh, a damp squid, if I can yeah. say that. Exactly. And the thing is, is that over the years, especially during the pandemic, we saw the women's division improve. We saw we amazing. Sh we were seeing women's matches that were off the chain, and there was such a change from what we saw in the beginning. And when I saw this match. It took me back to 2019. That's what that match did. It took me back to October 2019 when I was watching the first couple episodes of Dynamite and thinking, this women's division is the drizzling shits. That's what I saw in this match. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was hot garbage. And, like, you know, I mean, like, Nyla Rose, she's the, she's the beast. But the thing is, like, she's the, what we call, she's, like, the, the gatekeeper of the championships. If you can't get past Nala Rose, you're not, you're not going to get to that championship. Nala Rose, I mean, uh, Britt Baker is protected because she's got her little clique that she's at got with her. But you got Nala Rose, who's always going to be in the forefront to stop you and squander you. So I really thought that Nala, um, that Ruby Soho would have been some kind of beacon of hope, some kind of inspiration, or some kind of something that would bring more to the table. But let's just face it, she got she got by on her notoriety from being WWE. And when it comes to time to re-empting um, re your uh, your contract with AEW, you're not worth the investment. So if I was Tony Khan, and I, it's, it's a hot take, I get it. Ruby Soho, you're not there. You should have been there. You kept talking about you were there. You, you, you kept saying, like, you're supposed to be something greater than you are. When you come to AEW, you have all the freedoms to do what you're supposed to do to get yourself over, and you haven't. So it wasn't actually WWE that was holding you back. It was yourself because you weren't really that good in the first place. You thought, like, in your head, you probably think you're better than what you really are. And in reality, you're just, you're, you're mid-card at best. You're TBS championship. Like, you can't you came even compete against Jay Cardigo at this point. And you're supposed to be a veteran in this sport. And it sucks to say it because, like, I really had high hopes for her. And, like, every week I see her on TV 
I get disappointed and my stock in her gro like grows lower and lower and lower every week I watch her. It saddens me because like I really wanted her to be some, some kind of beacon and something different. But every time I see her on TV, she did not bring anything different to the table. If anything, she's bringing it back. She's like lowered the expectations of the women's division. If you can't actually anticipate that. And it's hard because like, I want I want I want to be the cheerleader. I want to be the raw raw guy for AEW, but you've done nothing for this division. And until you grow and make something different to yourself, you're, you're going to be on the forefront within a year or two. One, I'm not sure when you sign a contract, but let's say you sign a two-year contract. Unless you do anything prolific for the next two years of your life of being on, on, on TV, I can see an impact. What's Soho Ruby doing over here? Or what, what's Sapphire Rojo doing over here? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what do you do with that? You know, like you're supposed to be this polarizing figure to make something better and you ought to be a flop. You're gonna get fired. Exactly. Look at Joy Janela. Exactly. Bitch boy himself. But speaking of uh Britt Baker, um we I noticed a segment we skipped, so I'm gonna go back a little bit. Let me take the lead on this one, then I'll let you finish the rest. But we had a little promo from the person that I'm calling I now refer to as Adam Cole Pussy. And he is with Brandon Cutler. And uh Cole makes it clear he is still undefeated in singles competition in AEW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orange Cassidy didn't beat him, even though he pinned him on TV. Uh, that was a fluke, and his record reflects that. I, I, I beg to differ over being a fluke. He doesn't get the respect he deserves. I can give you a list of reasons why he doesn't have it. Uh, and everyone is going to see a new Adam Cole. We damn well better. He's going to beat Evil Uno in two weeks' time. Yeah, that's not impressive to me. Well, here's the thing. He's planting a seed as of right now. Adam Cole, in my opinion, is prolific. I think he's great. He's undefeated. He lost an unsanctioned match with doesn't go against his record, which means he's a smart fucking wrestler. Um, if you were to ask John, which he hasn't been on in quite some time, though, John is uh, quite a fan of Adam Cole. I'm pretty sure whenever he does decide to pick up wrestling again and talk about it, though, he'll be very disappointed in the fact that uh, three-fourths of the undisputed area has left him. Um, if we're going to see a new change in Adam Cole... I want it. If this is going to be a new era for Anico where he becomes like that win at any costs, despite his friends, despite his loyalties and everything else, I want to see that. If there's going to be a new side to Adam Cole we haven't seen before, he's undefeated right now. What happens when Adam Cole does not give a fuck about anything? I want to see that. I want to see Adam Cole versus CM Punk. I want to see Adam Cole versus MJF. I want to see MJ, I mean, Adam Cole against fucking Brian Danielson, John Moxley. There's a lot of matches we haven't told yet. There's a lot of things we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I know Evil Uno's not the one we want to go against, and we get that. But we'll see the early stages of it, his yep. character development, until the next stage of his life. I mean, we all loved all Abco so far with the whole boom and everything else, right? That's perfect, right? It's been working. But he's going to evolve into something else. Same way Triple H changed from a blue blood fucking guy from, like, wherever the fuck he was from, becoming a king of kings, going to DX, you know, the cerebral assassin. I mean, there was transformations. There was changes. We saw him call for wheels at first. He's undefeated the way he is. He's like, you know what, though? I'm, I'm going to change things up to make things a little different, a little more interesting. So keep your eye on Adam Cole because it's going to be something different. If that's the case, I for want to be a fan. Every time he puts his thumb to his shoulder, I'm going to say, boom, it's going to be good. Well, here's the thing. First of all, I'm going to break down everything that I've said. I said in that, uh, you know, and, you know, when I was look, going over the match because I had to talk about a few things. There's a reason why I now refer to him as Adam Cole Pussy, and there's a reason for that. If you can't break out of an Orange Cassidy bear hug, I don't care who you are, you're a pussy. I'm sorry. There's no credibility there. That The finish to that sanctioned match couldn't have been any more pitiful. 
That's it, booking, pal. That's 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 so that's why I'm calling him Adam Cole Pussy because you got to be a pussy to not be able to break out of that thing. All right, all right, I'm gonna stop you right there. You know why? Uh, go ahead. AW Television, when it comes to wrestling, has been more prolific than anything WWE has put out in the past six months. Dare I say a year? Because let's face it, WWE, other than Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, the motherfuckers got nothing. You know who we got? John Moxley, Adam Cole. Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, okay? All these prolific people who are putting on crazy fucking matches. We got CM Punk. It's 2022. February 2nd, 2022. CM Punk is wrestling in the fucking business again. We got Sting. We got Darby Allen. We got Millennium Cowboy on a daily basis. I know a lot of WWE fanboys want to sit there and like just at the point, at the point, whatever. It's like, oh my God, you know, all, you know, WWE for life, whatever. But the thing is like, when it comes to wrestling, we got it all, man. Okay, well, this it's, has nothing to it's, do. It's, it's, this has nothing to do with WWE. It has everything to do with it. that. That I don't know where you got that from. What I said, but that had nothing. WWE has nothing to do with this. I'm looking at this product on this TV screen, and I'm giving my opinion. This has nothing to do with loving WWE or hating WWE. Because I'm gonna go into more detail about this when the next time I do the male soap opera one with the wins. But I'm gonna tell you this. I'm on the cusp of walk. I'm on the cusp of going full time all elite. Anyway, WWE is losing my interest quick, fast, and in a goddamn hurry. It's so, still better than Raw SmackDown, right? What? It's still better than Raw SmackDown any day of the week. I I don't know. I don't watch Raw SmackDown, so I can't tell. I so NXT is so, the only show I watch anymore. I watched AEW why? tonight to do this recap with you, but NXT is the only show I pay attention to. Why would you even do that? Because, because, because despite all the changes they've made, and despite a lot of crazy shit that's gone down, the wrestlers that are still there don't allow those changes to affect them from being able to work matches and tell stories. Some of the best in-ring psychology and storytelling I am seeing is coming from these NXT matches. Now, every now and then... We get we get something stupid like MSK and Jacket Time, and I got and I want to blow my fucking brains out. Or Douche Riddle will make Rock an appearance, breaker. and I want to shove and I want to and I want to shove my fingers down my throat and fucking vomit. But most of the time, we get a lot of the good shit, like LA Knight, Braun Breaker coming into his own. Yeah, the guy needs some, still needs a little bit of work in certain areas, but he's getting there. He's growing uh, and he's growing fast. Tommaso mm-hmm. Ciampa's still there until he gets called up. Uh, Roderick Strong like, yeah. in the Diamond Mine is great. There's a lot of good things on NXT. Yeah, the only thing crappy I've seen is MSK and freaking Jacket Time. Other than that, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Hell, we were talking earlier about, you know, you said about Jay Cargill proving you're wrong. Do you know who's in NXT that I hated for years on the main roster who came to NXT, reinvented themselves, and has completely proved me wrong? Oh. Mandy Rose. I never thought I'd say this. Mandy Rose has dramatically improved. I'm imp- I'm impressed with Mandy Rose, and I never thought in a billion years I'd ever fucking say those words. Because I was with Sonya Deville. She's a, she was a centerfold bitch since day one in WWE. She couldn't wrestle her way out of a wet paper bag if you gave her a pair of scissors. I'll tell you what, though. She went to NXT and right learned her shit. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this right now. Hold your NXT shit for your NXT fucking show. This is AE fucking W. Have some respect. I am. You asked me a question, though. Stuff. You said, why would I watch? And I was answering your question. That's because all I was doing. I was just answering your question. It's a shit fucking answer. I'll tell you what, though. 
Hold your NXT thoughts. I'll your do NXT that. Thoughts. God damn it. This is A E fucking W, asshole. I know. So and I'm trying to-, to critique it. I didn't bring WWE into the conversation. You did. I oh, was I was strictly you, looking at AEW. Oh, I'll tell you what this. Fuck you, Vinny. I'm going to listen to your bullshit. Let's go back to our product because, God Fine. damn it, I'm not going to talk about NXT because they're Fine. garbage. And AEW is the number one company in the world. Let's go at it, though. Backstage, Billy Gunn. Andy ass boys confront Jungle Boy Jack Perry and mock him briefly. Perry attacks them while they swarm and take him outside and throw him in the snow and they run off before Christian Cage Luchasaurus comes out. Yeah. I gotta tell you this though, Vinny, I showed you videos of Mr. Danhausen and the gun club, correct? Yes, the ass boys. Could you explain to us this whole segment though? Because I mean, I could say it, but I think you're more eloquent when it comes to explaining the situations, please. Um, basically Danhausen, um, likes to you know be funny and playful and talk about like i said he usually when he talk when he signs autographs whatever your name is he puts housing at the end of it he knows that billy gunn when he was in wwe um again i have to bring it up because i'm being asked a question um he was badass billy gunn mr ass with the lips on his you know trunks and everything yes so so now yes, he's got the man. gun club, which is his kids and everything. So from time to time, Dan Housen would be like the ass boys because he just messes up names on purpose. Or when he's with FTR and FTR is doing funny bits with them. And I, I remember I remember I was watching him do a, do a vlog with FTR and they're doing this funny skit back and forth where FTR is being dead ass serious and F- Dan Housen's doing his thing. It got to a point where somebody walked up to me, tapped me on the shoulder and said, what the hell is this? I turned. It was Enzo Amore. Fuck. I was like, I don't know. But yeah, so they come and confront Jungle Boy. And of course, they're talking back and forth. Then they just beat the hell out of him because Jungle Boy was running his mouth last week. And Jungle Boy was all by himself. Um, here's the thing. Is it, am I wrong for not enjoying this confrontation? Because You know what, though? No, here's, here's the thing, here's though. The, I'll explain it's, why. Before, before you say anything, let me explain why. Here's the thing. First of all, you got three guys confronting you. Your back's against the wall, which is weird. And they're talking, and you just start taking off your jacket. You know good and hell well you ain't winning this fight. Like, again, I'm not trying to hate on Jungle Boy's size, because y'all know I have become a fan of Jungle Boy over time. But I'm looking at his physique. I'm looking at Billy Gunn's physique. Bro, you ain't about to win this fight. I'm sorry, your best bet is to talk your way out of this because you got no backup. And by the time your backup shows up, you get thrown into a pile of snow that you barely even touch. And then Christian comes running down the street halfway. Like, Actually, did, you, did, you know, did you notice a cameo in that segment? Who, who was there? Al Snow. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're welcome. That was good. Dad jokes. But yeah, so I'm sorry. That, that, I mean, I know they're trying to build up to a potential six-man tag, and then they're going to probably have them defend the tag belts against the gun club, against Billy Gunn's kids. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Like, I, have, I haven't thought about the gun club at all because they've been non-relevant. Dan Housen made him popular because, like, he calls them the ass boys, take them to the ass ranch. Um, I mean, Billy, Billy Gunn really fucking loves Dan Housen. I mean, I think, like... I think from all the people I've talked to or I've, I've listened online, like everybody, like Jeff Jarrett loves him. Um, you know, uh, Eric Bischoff and all these different people. I just completely in love with them. Um, getting the boys over, you know, because the thing is like the gun club, they would have been like a dynamite dark or on the dark segment forever. Uh, because they're not a gun club anymore, they call it ass, the ass boys. 
and he calls uh, Billy Gunn Mr. Ass, whatever, because he has ass on his name. He's like, listen, his name is Mr. Ass, so obviously his name is Ass. And he calls he calls like the the Gun Club Rod and Todd Ass. <laughs> it's stupid, but it makes fucking sense. It's fucking hilarious. That's no, great. And um, it's getting him over because like. Uh, by no stretch of imagination do I imagine the ass boys to win a championship. That's not gonna fucking happen. You're right. They will have the they, they will they will have a trios match. It'll be Billy Gunn and like the ass the ass family versus Jurassic Express with Christian, which is gonna fucking happen. And of course, the ass is gonna win, and then they're gonna get a tag team championship. They're gonna fucking lose. That's that's gonna be set up. I think the fact that like the fact that the Gun Club had no notoriety, even though they've been winning a lot of matches, they've been winning a lot of matches on Dark. But they haven't been fighting really prolific tag team champions or yeah. even prolific tag teams for that matter. So they're gonna get their, their spot. In a, they're gonna get their spot. Their their spot in a spotlight to get their names out there. Danhausen's gonna emphasize it. But I think the big catalyst and everything is gonna be Danhausen himself. He get himself involved with CM Punk. He get himself involved with MJF. He get himself with like the Murder Hawk, um, Lance Archer. There's so many different angles that Danhausen get involved with. He's involved with all these motherfuckers. He could be like a he could be like the cog in the wheel to really fuck people over in a funny way, which is gonna be funny. So if you don't know Danhausen, love that Danhausen, go go on YouTube, figure him out. And once you see what I'm talking about, though, you'd be like, okay, the Elvis guy, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, exactly. And um so yeah, I found yeah, but I was saying the the, the confrontation just didn't really work for me. I was like, this ain't believable. This well, is nothing, nothing's gonna come out of it. That's what's gonna happen. Exactly. Like it's not it's not believable because like nothing's gonna come out of it. They're, 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 they have a, a feud going on. Okay, we get it though. But the thing is, like, are are the Gun Club really a forcible force to really take away the championships away from the, the Jurassic Express? No. You know who's gonna take it though? Whatever stable John Moxley and uh, Brian Nelson come together because that's what's gonna happen. Well, and it will happen. Assuming Moxley says yes, we don't know what their what their plan is booking. That's gonna, that's gonna be like one of those decisions, like the whole thing with LeBron going to like L.A. or. Miami, whatever it was. That, that's the whole thing. Wait, is he going to say yes? All right. Is he going to take on to this mentorship to do Brian Danielson's um, undoing, whatever? Or not undoing, but like his whole thing, whatever. And Brian Danielson, it wasn't like a far-fetched idea because the thing is like talent recognizes talent. Brian recognizes Moxley's ability. It's like, hey, listen, motherfucker. These motherfuckers want us to fight each other. But why would we do that, though? We are veterans. We're smart. We're wily. We know the way of the world train the next generation to be just like us to yeah. understand wrestling the way we do to do things the way we do so that way when we leave this blue marble someone will live in our infamy to know that they were trained by the brian dallison by the john moxley that's a better legacy as opposed to just going for championship because eventually championships will come but once we get our crew together and get this happening our stable will be greater than a Bullet Club or an NWO or a Nightmare Family Collective or anything else that comes what AW wants to throw out there. They'll be better than Legacy. They'll be better than fucking like the um, Fortune or anything else. If those two come together and get their collective heads together and agree to things, eventually it's going to break up like anything else that comes great with AW. But the thing is, like, if they get their collective heads together, get Daniel Garcia and Willie Yuta and um, whoever the fuck the other person was supposed to be, like, um, Lee Mariotti, if they get those people together, they're going to be a force to be working with. Lee Mariotti could go for the TNT Championship. Uh, Willow Yuta and uh, uh, what's his name? They go for the TNT Championships, and like it'll be up to Mox and fucking Brian Nelson to figure out who you want to take out after that. If you got a faction behind you, you are an army strong. If you're by yourself, you're a dead man dying, pretty much. 
Exactly. I think it's a smart choice. Yeah. So, uh, so what happens next? Next, we get our Millennium Cowboy come out. Mr. Hangman on the page. Our world champion. He's got out there. He, he said, like, uh, you know, I've only defended my title twice. Um, at the beginning of the year, he begged and pleaded for a challenger to come here. And sure enough, he's got Lance Archer. And he wants a Texas death match. He doesn't give a shit because he needs something, anything that he wants it tonight. Oddly enough, Dan Lambert, for the second time tonight, comes out again with Jake the Snake Roberts, which makes no sense because Dan Lambert, he's great on the mic, but Jake Roberts, Vinny, you know my you know my thoughts about Jake the Snake Roberts, right? You know I love the guy wholeheartedly, right? Yes. Yeah. Would it be blasphemy for me to say that I do not want Jake Roberts on my television at all anymore? Well, it depends. Why do you feel that way? Dan Lambert is a better mouthpiece for Lance, for for uh, Mr. Archer, first and foremost. When Jake the Snake Roberts first came out there, he was, he was spitting out his nursery rhymes. I thought it was perfect for Lance Archer because he needed direction. I think Dan Lambert, although his history with Lance Archer, I think if he was to mold and shape Lance Archer to where he's supposed to be at, I'm not going to say he's going to be world champion. But he's a better chance of surviving in the in the landscape of AEW as opposed to Jake the Snake Roberts. I'm sorry. I love Jake. Like I told you before, if I was to have one tattoo, I don't have one tattoo on my body. But if I was to get a tattoo of any wrestlers or um, pop culture references, it'd be Jake the Snake Roberts, Macho Man Randy Savage, Kid Icarus, Doctor Strange, and Doctor Doom. Okay? So Jake the Snake Roberts is really high up there. He's number one or number two when it comes to my tattoo list. I just won't get a tattoo because I'm a pussy. Let's just face it. I hold Jake the Snake Roberts to a high regard, but his ramblings as of late of how he's trying to talk as opposed to Dan Lambert's, I need Jake the Snake Roberts to kind of like walk away from Lance Archer and like let Dan Lambert just kind of take over. That's my sentiment when it comes to it. Okay. I mean, I can see that point. Um, that, that makes sense. Okay. You know, you just feel that way. Um, I know something's up with Jake because I don't feel like his promos are the same. As they were no, before. No, no. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's because he's getting old or he, and he's just tired now, or if he's not trying or whatever it is. But if Lance Archer can talk, why are either one of them out there? Well, that's I mean, what bothers like, me. Either talk or don't. But I don't. Unless you're Roman Reigns, I don't need you being on a microphone if you've already got a manager to talk for you. No, I, I completely agree because, like, and here's the thing. I think Jake Dixon Roberts to like maybe take a lesser role. I think she's just kind of back away and say, you know what though? I taught you everything I can. My time has come. Dan, I put his future in your hands. Do your best and just walk away and like just right away because like Jake Dixon Roberts, I've always helped him to high regard, but the thing is like he's not able to bring it anymore when it comes to the micro to microphones because the thing is like Jake Roberts has always been a microphone guy. He's always been a microphone guy. And the fact that like he can't cut it in the new age of wrestling and in February 3rd, 2022, you can't do it anymore. And it saddens me because I've always held to a high regard. I always thought of him as being like a prolific Mike guy, psychology guy and everything else. And back in the day, he was. Right now for Lance Archer, Lance Archer is a, 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 a you know, like he's a fish in a barrel right now. He's just kind of sitting there. I think he's being held back by Jake Roberts. I never thought I, I, I'd see the day where I'd say that, but it's true. Lance Archer needs to cut away from him. He does. And the thing is, like, if he was to cut away from Jake Roberts, where he, maybe he gives, like, a power slam or a power bomb through a table or something, it would generate so much more heat for him. It would do Lance Archer so much more beneficial heat as opposed to anything else. Would you agree? Yeah. I can see that point. I'm just saying. Think yeah. out loud. 
right. Well, that being said, here's my take on this whole entire thing. Is I thought the promos were a little off. The beatdown was great. But those of you that know me and how I look at wrestling, I'm sure a lot of you can tell the next question I'm about to ask. Pretty sure y'all know where I'm about to go with this. Um, Not at all. I'm completely perplexed. Next week, Adam Page, Lance Archer, Texas Deathmatch for the AEW World Championship. Am I the only one that's still aware that there's a pay-per-view coming up? I'm getting really sick and tired. And this is not even an AEW thing. This is a wrestling thing in general that I'm saying right now. I'm putting every company that's still around on blast when I say this. For the love of Christ, stop making these big money-making matches and giving them away for free. At this point, y'all might as well be charity organizations, okay? This is regard damn ridiculous. I could understand if the next pay-per-view was six months away. All right, let's have a little death match on TV. I get it. It's a month. You're telling me y'all ain't got the skills to drag this out another month? Because if you don't, maybe y'all should start hiring some writers then. Because it's insanity to me. That this is getting done on Dynamite. Okay, because then that begs the question. What are you going to do for Revolution? Because how are you going to top the Dexas Deathmatch? What, are you going to bring back the Triple Cage from Ready to Rumble? Are you going to set the ring on fire and have an Inferno match? Seriously, think before you book shit. Build. You have to build to the big show. You put the big matches on the big show so it motivates people to pay money. There's a reason why people bootleg most of these pay-per-views. Because you don't put anything on there worth spending money for. It drives me insane. Because y'all should know better. I get it in the beginning. All right, I got it. You had the few, it was AEW versus NXT. You had a ratings war going on. You wanted to crush them into the ground and make a point that AEW is the place to be. Guess what? They moved to Tuesday. You made your point. You won your war. I Okay? I know you guys like hitting a million, but guess what? In modern wrestling, that's as high as you can go. A million is not something to brag about to a lot of wrestling fans and a lot of old school wrestling people because back in the day, 10 million used to watch. That's a number y'all are never going to hit again. And I said to both companies, for the love of Christ, stop giving away cool shit for free. Because then what are we going to pay for? Table scraps? Am Am I taking crazy pills? Somebody bring some logic. So why you would put a match of this caliber? Here's the thing. I'm not even mad about the match. I love this idea. I would love to see a Texas death match. I'd love to see Adam Page get tested. Because I hate what pisses me off the most is that Adam Page has been taking a back seat to fucking the Spanish Spot Monkey and the American Nightmare and their little feud and their ladder match that everybody rants and raves about and all that stuff. Adam Page is supposed to be your world champion. And you and I feel like you guys are dropping the ball with him, and I'm not the only one. Go talk to the IWC. Go talk to the dirt sheets. You should, because they're your they're your bread and butter, AEW. 
You don't have casual fans. You have hardcore wrestling fans. You have no casual fans because you've made it very clear you they're not welcome here. Cody made that statement very clear when y'all opened the doors. So you better pay attention to the dirt sheets. They are not happy with how you are treating the hangman. I'm not happy with how you're treating the hangman. Like he even said on there, he's been the champion. He's defended his title twice. The guy wants to fight. Your world champion should be the most well-respected man in your company. You need to take him seriously so the fans will take him seriously. It's 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 for goddamn ridiculous. You got Cody out here running his mouth about there's no such thing as a secondary title. Enough with the equal enough with the participation trophy shit. Your world champion is your A champion and should always be treated as your A champion. And then you got a belt right here, you got your tag division here, you got your women over here, but your world champion needs to be the guy and treated as such. And y'all have not done that with Adam Page. And he deserves better because he's a fucking man. He's a champion. He's a badass. He has taken every horrible idea you have dished out and got it over. He has told, he has the greatest story in AEW ever told. Ever told. He got, he got screwed over. He got hot-shotted. He got put over here and over there. And he found a way to tell your story, got it over, won the title, and was one of the most emotional moments in AEW. You guys need to think smarter. Do better with, with Adam Page. Do better. That's all I got to say about that. Wow. Tell me how you really feel about that, Vinny. <sighs> Just, I just hate that they give away shit for free, man. It's well, I, I, I get well, it. Well, let me uh, let me spin the plates because that's what I do best, right? Of course you will. Of course, because uh, you know, me and TK, we had a meeting last week, and uh, we had to talk about a couple of things. Of course, you ever think that maybe the investment we're putting into Heyman and Page is not warranted at the current moment? And let me draw that back because I am a fan of the Heyman and Page. I think the character, the storyline that was built for quite a year when my favorite wrestler, the best wrestler in the world, Mr. Kenny Omega, was holding a championship. He stuck through, um, you know, he stuck through uh, Vertigo. He stuck through having, like, you know, being injured for about a year and a half to carry the storyline around. Um, he went through Kenny Omega. He went through um, Brian Nelson, which was... Let's just face it, the best fucking match I've ever seen. Two matches on live TV. I tell you what, though, take me back to a time on television when you saw two better matches other than Heyman and Page and pay per view where you saw Daniel Bryanson versus Heyman and Page. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I'll give it two seconds. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, though, you can't think of it. You know why? Because there was never a better match on free TV or on pay per view other than Brian Danielson and Heyman and Page. Okay. Now, yeah. His stuff after that match with Brian Nelson wasn't great because I told you, I, I think I told you in private because we haven't did a show in quite some time. Brian Nelson did the job to make Heyman and Page to be bigger than what he really was. So he went through a technician such as Brian Nelson. He had to face a monster in um, the Bernhawk, Lance Archer. So does it really fit the narrative? Not really, but it's making him seem like that he's a bigger deal than what he really is right now. Whatever promo or... Once this match takes place next week, which this feud's going to end next week, we all know that. We do have a pay-per-view coming up in a month. We know that. Whoever comes up next is going to be a big fucking deal. And the thing is, we don't know who it is. Lance Archer is simply just a stone, a stepping stone, 
into what Hangman of Page is really going to have to face, his true fear, his true desire. And the thing is, the next pay-per-view that comes up, Hangman of Page is a true champion. Whoever he faces next is going to be something different to what we're seeing right now. We're simply in the living it real, living it live kind of sentiment. Lance Archer is going to be an afterthought. Because the thing is, after this feud, Lance Archer is going back to doing, I don't know, plucking chickens or, I don't know, making chicken sandwiches. I don't know what the fuck he does in this <laughs> meantime. No one's, gonna give a fuck about, no one's gonna give a fuck about him. He might join Dan Lambert and he might build him up to do something else. But the thing is, like, after this feud, Hangman Page is gonna, ha- is gonna face his biggest task. I'm not sure who the person is. M- maybe it'd be MJF or maybe it'd be Moxley or CM Punk or whoever. But this this match between Lance Archer and himself, we all know that we all know what's gonna happen. Hangman Page will hang his head out high. He fought a technician twice in, in Brian Danielson. He faced a big monster, but his biggest challenge is going to be whoever the victor is going to be after that, which is going to be Hamilton Page. Whoever the next challenger is going to be is going to be his biggest testament to who he's going to go to. And that's the narrative they're facing right now. I'm spinning these plates, but the thing is, like, hold my words true because I'm not really big for Lance Archer. I don't think this whole feud's really going anywhere for him. And you're right. It kind of lowered his value a little bit, but don't rest on Hamilton and Page. Those matches with Brian Dallison was one of the best matches we've had. The two matches they had together... We're the best matches we've had in wrestling, and you could quote me on this, in the past 20 years. You find me a better match, tell me in the comment section on Instagram or whatever else. Come at me. Not at me and Elvis Dolinsky, because you won't find me on there. On the Boochcast. The only thing you come close to is maybe like a Steamboat versus Flair or something else, but like something majestic like that. But other than that, though, Brian Delson did a job for him and Page to make him better. This feud right now sucks. But once it's past all this, though, we're going to see him and Adam Page's true testament for his next challenger. And I think it's going to be really unexpected who it's going to be. It's something we all needed and wanted. So just give it about a couple weeks. Give, give it, I'll tell you what, though. Give it two weeks. Once Lance Archer's out of the picture, let's see who steps up. And from there, we're going to see, like, holy shit, this is going to be something else. Let's leave it at that. All right. So what happened next? Chris Yoko cuts a promo backstage asking Santana and Ortiz what they did last week because obviously they're in a trios match and they'd have refused to tag in Chris Jericho. He says next week the inner circle will have a inner circle meeting and the meeting is fucking mandatory. So we definitely are going to see that uh, there's going to be some dissension between the inner circle. Obviously, the uh, Pride and Powerful will be breaking away from the inner circle. Sammy G is going to be going on his own way, being, becoming his own man. Um, Jake Hagar, I'm not sure what he's going to be doing. But at the same time, the inner circle will be broken up by next week. Quote me on that. Yeah. Uh, from what I'm seeing here, um, by the way, what, what's going on with Eddie Kingston? Is he out with an injury or something? Yeah, he had his orbital bone um, hits. Oh. He had, uh, see, what was supposed to happen was, I think Kingston was supposed to take Pride and Profit away from Chris Jericho. It was supposed to be a whole segment, but I guess he had a wrestling match and his orbital bone got destroyed. So, like, I'm not sure if you know about the orbital bones, but they don't really heal that quickly. So, I think what's going to happen is they're going to let him heal up to a point where he can't wrestle. He could be on TV, but apparently at the time, as of right now, he can't even be on TV right now until, like, he actually recovers correctly. Because he can't be 100% to actually give promos. Because, God knows, Eddie Kingston could have promo on anything, on anything, at any time. But, if he's, like, on pain medication or trying to get past what he's supposed to, we shouldn't be on TV. So, I'm pretty sure they're going to drag this out just for a little bit longer until Eddie Kingston gets back into the fold. Or at least to a point where he actually be on screen to actually like, hey, fuck that motherfucker. He's holding you back. You guys should be tag team champions. Let's make it a little faction. Because 
Remember I told you about AEW when I first started? AEW is all about faction warfare. We've seen factions come, we've seen factions go. Eventually, they're, everybody's going to find their perfect little niche to what they need to get to. And Eddie Kingston, he tried to get things over with, like, you know, um, uh, the Lucha Brothers. Remember, like, about a year ago when they tried making that happen, whatever, though? I think he's finding his niche with, like, um, the Pride and Powerful and maybe get some other people out there. So it's going to happen. It's going to take some time. But I just wished uh, a speed recovery for K- Kingston because, uh, God, I miss him on my TV. I ain't going to lie to you. Yeah. Um, all I, here's the thing. Um, so apparently Chris Jericho and is, you know, is pissed off or whatever. And Eddie Kingston's trying to get involved somehow. What I think is going to happen is I don't know how long Eddie's going to be out for, but if he's able to make it back by revolution, here's what I think is going to happen. I think that Santana and Ortiz are going to walk away from the inner circle. They're done. Something's going to happen. There's going to be a fight, whatever, like. I don't know. Like, if it was just the three of them in the ring, I think they would beat down Chris Jericho. But I don't think they're going to because Jake Hager and, you know, Sammy G are going to be there. I think what's going to happen at Revolution is there's going to be a six-man tag if Eddie can make it back. And it'll be Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful versus Jericho, Jake Hager, and Sammy G. I mean, I can, I can see that happening, but in the same token, though, I can kind of see Sammy G breaking away from it, too, because, like... Remember when Jericho was trying to bring MJF into the fold for the inner circle, or whatever? He was like, "Hey, man, he's a he's a he's a snake, he's a whatever." And Jericho didn't believe. He was like, "No, he's good. He'll be fine. He's just like me, but like younger and whatever." So there's a lot of animosity between Sammy G and Chris Jericho, but he's just there because of like their party the inner circle. I think what's gonna happen is the inner circle is gonna implode himself, where like Sammy G leaves, Sammy Hagar le- or Hagar leaves. And Jericho's left to his own accord, and I think he's just going to take some time off. That's that's just the way I see the solving. Because Inner Circle at one point was supposed to be a dominant faction. They were for quite some time, but then beca- they became a parody themselves, and they weren't that prolific team that they were before. And because Prime Powerful feels like, yeah, we should be tag team champions, but instead of like Hagar trying to become tag team champions with uh, Jericho, it didn't happen. Then um, Guerrero, um, I'm not Guerrero, but um, Sammy Hague, um, Sammy Guevara was supposed to tag with Chris Jericho, was supposed to win the tag team championships. That didn't take place, but like he never once put us like in a position where we could have won. So they were definitely holding him back. And Sammy G is like, well, I remember when we were part of the inner circle, we wanted to bring MGF, and I told you he was a snake in the grass. I ended up being true, but you didn't believe in me. So fuck you, Chris. I'm out. And Sammy Hager is gonna be like, you made me apologize for you on live TV. So fuck you. So that, that could be it right there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I can see that happening. And like, it's like everything falls behind Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho is just like coming to realization like he was just like an egotistical bastard. Took advantage of all his friends and he's by himself. And then after that, though, he just kind of like hides away for a while until like he regains himself and, you know, tries to make up for all the bad deeds and try to get the inner circle back together, which eventually will come together. But you got to have like the group being super, super strong at first and break apart and like the heart grows fonder after through time, whatever, and whatever, but whatever. All right. So, uh, what happens after this? We get the main event CM Punk versus MGF, which, by the way, a long blow off. This has been a long time coming. Promos galore. Everybody remembers the first time MGF and, MG- and like CM Punk came together and were cutting off beautiful, brilliant promos together. I mean, they were just going off each other, like, you know, rolling off, like, you know, WWE segments here and there, um, you know, you know, it was just like it was, it was like a, it was like a, it was like a, a chessboard, and they strategically knew how to like pull each other's strings week in and week out. 
you know, going against Sean Spears, going against Warlow, going against like, you know, all these different people, whatever, and finally having this blow off match. And um, I got to say, man, like CM Punk, you know, I am, I'm fortunate. It's, it's February 3rd. Um, 2022. Uh, it looks like we went from February 2nd to February 3rd because what we're doing is past midnight. Um, the fact that we have CM Punk on our TV stations is fucking awesome. I think like we all wait, anticipated MGF versus CM Punk, and I think this delivered the goods. And um, I'm gonna give you a spoiler right now. MGF won this match. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into like who got into a headlock, who got into whatever this net though. A lot of shenanigans. Warlock came out though and passed the ring over to MGF, which he used in the ring and hit CM Punk in the head, or whatever. But this is, let me tell you why this worked. MGF being the asshole that he is, he gets to gloat about this win, CM Punk's first loss. He gets to talk about that for the rest of his fucking life. He could be, he's like, what, 25, 26 years old, right? Right now? Maybe Just younger, who knows? Roughly around that area. Okay. He gets to brag and boast about this match for the rest of his fucking life. He says, CM Punk was undefeated until he came and met me. He won against Warlow, he won against Sean Spears, he won against Darby Allen, he won against, like, all these different people, right? But when he faced the crossroads, un- until he met me, he seen success. Until he met M, he said the th- he saw the three letters that he could get past. M-J-F. He's gonna hold it over CM Punk's head for the rest of his life. And CM Punk, you know, he lost in Chicago, mind you. In his own hometown. And lost. That's something that is so brilliantly put together... I could never, I, I, I would even thought, I'd be like, if I was a booking man, I would have put CM Punk over MGF. But then once MGF won, and I put two and two together, I'm like, you know what though? Storyline wise, because these motherfuckers are going to meet again. They will meet up again. It will happen. But because MGF took the first, like, he took, he made CM Punk lose his first fucking match in AW. CM Punk, every time he thinks about his first loss, it's always going to be MGF on his mind. He, and the thing is, like, he's going to get wins, he's going to losses, he's going to win or lose now from time to time. But regardless of how many times he looks back at history, his first loss is always going to be MGF. And MGF is always going to use that to his applause. Next week, he's going to bring it up. If he ever goes on fucking, like, uh, Rampage, he's going to bring it up. If he goes to a pay-per-view, he's always going to bring it up. Like, that's just one thing. Hey, I'm a two-time Diamond Ringer. Diamond Ring winner. You know? I made CM Punk lose his first fucking match in AEW. He was on a roll for a long time. But MGF is better than you, and you fucking know it. That's, 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 That's the pitch right there. That's all you have. That's all you need. What do you think? Well, I looked at this match. These two men left it all in the ring. Absolutely. Gave it everything they had. Put on an incredible, amazing match. I feel there's a... With a very very good finish. MJF, at the age of 25, who in about a month will be 26. 26. So who gets to talk about this match for a very long time? As a wrestling fan, I should be happy. But I'm not. I'm not. And a lot of you are like, oh boy. Why could Vinny possibly be upset? I'll tell you exactly why. Because, just like I said, with the Texas Deathmatch, it's here for free. You now have nothing for your big pay-per-view. Because, sure, you could make these two fight again. Hold on. You could make these two fight again. I'm sure you could put together a stipulation. I'm sure you could use that dynamite diamond ring as justification for Punk. To want another match with MJF. Well, here's my question. What are they possibly going to do in that ring that I haven't already seen? As far as I'm concerned, they gave the best of what they got. I don't see them having another match that is going to top this. 
And in history has shown, even with the most elite, and I'm not even talking about that elite because they're a joke. I'm talking iconic, real elite superstars. We've seen them have incredible matches, try to repeat them, and the second round was never better. Don't believe me? I'll cite some sources. WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker had one of the greatest, if not the greatest, WrestleMania match of all time. Rivals even Savage and the Diva Steamboat. They went to WrestleMania 26. Couldn't, re couldn't recreate the magic. WrestleMania 27 in the Georgia Dome here in Atlanta. Undertaker Triple H had a no-holds-barred match, teared the house down, stole the show. They went to Miami for a Hell in a Cell. Couldn't recreate the magic. Had to use a bunch of extra weapons to try to make it different. This rivalry is done. You can't go anywhere else with this. I have a question for you. Go I had a question for you, Vinny. Go ahead. Those matches, you, you, I'm, I'm glad you brought up those two points because the thing is, like, you are so valid when it comes to that, though. How many years has it been between those two matches from the first one you first indicated to the last one you just indicated? Did you give me the year, the time frames? Um, hmm. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Michael, look it up. Michael, no, no. It was before, about a year span before, between them. So there were years, right? One year, not eight, not years. It was a year. A year? A year. Okay. So CM Punk and MGF just happened tonight. It was a prolific match, right? Yeah. How long into the pay-per-view? A month. Shut the fuck up, Vinny. You know why? Why? Because we have a one month to put this fucking match together, though. You think they threw everything at the table tonight, though? It was about did. one month. When they get this shit together, though, it's going to be less than a fucking year. They're going to get their shit together. You think you saw all, today, all tonight, though? No, 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 no. They know it was free TV. They, they know it was free TV tonight. They gave you one hell of a fucking match. Emotion, passion, eyes, um, everything. They gave you everything tonight, right? You think you saw everything between these two? I you know, know I MGF. Did. You know the legacy of CM Punk. Let me tell you one thing right now. You right. don't know right now. CM Punk and MGF, in one month's time, they will come up with the best fucking match. And quote me on this, motherfucker. It won't take a year or five years or six years between matches or whatever, though. Give them one month. And they will entertain They will entertain your fucking underoos off your fucking pants. Don't sleep on a legend of CM Punk. And don't sleep on MJF. This feud is far from over. MJF may have, won the, may have got the first loss, but CM Punk is not fucking done. Don't sleep on, a, on the legend of CM Punk. Because CM Punk will come back like a rising phoenix and make this shit fucking right, though. I say he's going to win. He may win. He may lose. I'm telling you, Revolution, you got a month to get this shit right. Yeah. If you think you saw everything tonight, though, if you think you if you think you've seen it all, you're fucking wrong. Wait till Revolution, get the pay-per-view. Okay. It's gonna be fucking phenomenal. So if you think you saw everything tonight, Vinny, I'm sorry. I respectfully decline to say you are fucking wrong because it's not gonna be anything what it was tonight, though. Tonight was fucking a gem on free TV. Just wait till it happens in our pay-per-view. Quote me on this. Now, Quote I, Elvis. Oh, I'm going to because yeah. if it because if they have a because if they put a rematch a month later and it shits the bed, I will hold you to it. You I, will you be held accountable I'll, if it shits I'll, the I'll bed. Be, I'll be happy to eat my words. I'll be. I'll, I'll tell you what though. Not only will I eat my words, I will eat Zach Zachariah Scott's fucking ramen noodles for one month just because. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. Well, hopefully we get permission from the uh, the the Boochcast fans to do so. I'm sure they'll be okay with it. I, I think we're okay. I'll take I'll take a month of ramen noodles for that shit. Like right. I'm making a bold prediction. If what you saw tonight you thought was stellar and epic, that's fine. I believe it. If Revolution 
The CM Punk match versus um, MJF match does not hold up to it, though. I'll take a picture of me eating ramen noodles. I'll tell you what, though. The cup noodles and the ramen noodles. I'll switch it up from day to day. One day of cup noodles, one day of ramen noodles. Let's see if it lives up. But if it lives up to it, what are you going to do for me, Benny? Hmm. What am I going to do? Yeah, I know. Because the thing is, like, you want to throw it on me. The thing is, like, I'm taking a risk. I'm putting my name and recognition and my reputation online to make sure that people I'm not affiliated with MJF and CM Punk are going to deliver. If I deliver, what are you going to do for the folks, ladies and gentlemen? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? Are you going to eat ramen noodles? <laughs> I can't make that promise because sometimes Buff and I go out to dinner. So I can't say I would eat only I, can, I would eat ramen noodles because... Well, what about cup noodles? Because the thing is, like, they're only like 39 cents and no, you no. can at least warm it up for two seconds. Uh, I, might least, go, you know. I might go that route with the cup noodles. Um, yeah, what though? Let's do the ramen noodle challenge. Boom, set right here. Right, ramen noodle challenge. Let's do it. Ramen noodle challenge. Hashtag Zachary Scott's food's gone to waste. <laughs> exactly. If I win, you get your ramen noodles from, and the thing is, like, you literally have to get a picture on the Boochcast every day. But, like, the thing is, like, I want you to literally put the water in the cup, put it in the microwave for two minutes, take it out, stir it up, some bitch, over for a second. I want you to eat it and say, I want you to have like something to say, hey, this is February 3rd, February 6th, February 21st, whatever it is, the day after the pay-per-view. And again, I'll do the same thing every fucking day, a week, two weeks, three weeks, or four weeks. Well, I'll be doing it for Let's Let's be right about this. Okay. Well, how long do a week? Well, well, you, you brought up the ramen noodles. So how long are you prepared to go? You want to do a week or you want to do two weeks? Let's do a week. Let's be realistic. Seven days straight. Seven days straight. So that means you have to go to Publix. And the thing is, like, if I lose, I will take a video of me going to Publix or or Kroger or whatever it is. I'll take seven packages. I'll take seven things, shrimp, beef, chicken, whatever the fuck it is over there, hot picante. I'll do seven packages. And every day, I'll warm that some, I'll warm that some bitch up. I'll take a picture. Of, I'll, I'll do a video of me recording myself, blowing it up. Stirring that some bitch up and me eating it the whole time. But if you lose, same goes for you, pal. All right, let's do it. All right, cool. I love this family little Thanks. banter. Good Sounds stuff. Good. All right, so so that's the main event. I guess this this wraps up AEW. Oh man, you know I would love to say yes, but you know the, unlike the unsuperior you know companies that are out there, there is actually rankings for our championships. Do you um, even still follow those? Because I don't even think they even take those seriously anymore. Um, you know, unfortunately they do, and we're pretty serious about it because it is a new year. It is January 26th, the last time they had the rankings on there. Um, so this is what I'm basing off of. Um, obviously we have our hangman, Adam, Adam Page, who are our current champion. We have Sammy Guevara as our, um, TNT championship. Number one contender, we have Adam Cole, Bebe. Number two, we have Dante Martin. Number three, we have Lance Archer. Number four, we have Andrade El Idolo. And number five, we have Powerhouse Hobbs. So that is our front men's division. Pro men's division, we have obviously our world champion, Britt Baker, DMD. Make sure you do a little, do a little thing, whatever. DMD, okay. We got our, uh, oh shit, TBS champion, Jade Cargo. Um, number one contender, we have Red Velvet. Number two, we have Layla Hirsch. Number three, we have Serena Deeb. Number four, we have Thunder Rosa. And last but not least, we have Anna Jay as our number five. For our tag team rankings, we do have. Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and Jurassic Express are tag team champions. Number one, we have Private Party. Number two, we have the Ass Boys. Number three, we have the Acclaimed. 
Number four, we have FTR. And last but not least, we have the Kings of the Black Throne, Malachi Black and Brody King, making their entrance for the first time in the rankings for the AEW rankings. And that is your rankings for this week of AEW. So, all right, Benny. Well, um, I don't have anything else to plug. Um, I do have to say one thing. If you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or any of those fun little things, whatever, I'm not on it. I took myself off of it um, again. I'm doing it again because it's pretty fun to me. I think it's hilarious. Um, if you want to follow me, you can't get on it because I'm private. All you see is a stupid photo of me doing nothing. And um, But if you want to follow the show, make sure you follow the Boochcast. Um, we're on Instagram. We are on Facebook, Twitter. I think we're on MySpace too, probably. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitch. We're going to have some new content on there. I'm supposed to do some video game stuff, which yes. I'm going to do after I come back from Puerto Rico. Um, uh, what else are we doing here? Uh, oh, by the way, we are now on iHeartRadio. So, yeah, tell your friends, hey, you get the iHeartRadio app. Have you listened to the Boochcast? It's pretty good stuff, right? You like wrestling? Yeah, you should probably listen to it, though. You have that, that conniving asshole Elvis who talks wrestling, AEW mostly, the best wrestling show in the world for our dozens and dozens of fans out there in the world. You can watch and listen to the Boochcast door we have some more content for you we got some stuff on youtube as well too we got some dark side of the room uh dark side of the ring and we got some uh what's it called again the game we play every week oh yeah dungeon dragons we're gonna have a campaign for you guys soon enough um we're getting that stuff all together we've been talking about it for a long time but the thing is like when it comes to DD, it's not like we can just sit there and get everybody at the same time it, you literally have to get everybody together to join in on time whatever we talked to john not too long ago he he does have that in his idea what's going to happen. We're going to get it up and running soon enough. So, guys, I know you've been listening to us and saying, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But listen, be patient. The characters are good. We know we're going to play. And once you see us play, you'll understand why it took so long to get it done. So just be patient with us, my little birds. We will feed you. We'll get you there. In the meantime, listen to the podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Follow us on Patreon. Help us feed Zachariah Scott, Robin Noodles. And obviously, once I win this little podcast, or let's let's just face it, let's just fade, let's just feed Vinny Bucci a full week of ramen noodles because he's gonna fucking need it. Unless he's, unless he doesn't have like four dollars on him, because I mean, let's face it, it's like what less than four dollars to get this done. Uh, but yeah, just support us on the Patreon and help us keep the lights on. Um, you get to get you know Vinny paid or me paid. I never got paid once on this. I think I paid more just for buying pizza and hanging out. But um, nonetheless, if you want to support us and say, hey, I like this podcast. Uh, Vinny's got his Patreon page as well, too. Um, he's got some cool merchandise on there for Pizza Baby and all the other things that he does. Obviously, he's the manager of Buff Bagwell. So support him as well, too. Go on his page. He's got us. Um, he does have a podcast, uh, Rebuilding Buff. So make sure you follow him on that. And uh, Vinny, is there anything else I'm missing? Um, only, uh, I'll just throw in the blanks, but that was very well done. Uh, like I said, we got, uh, we're on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and now iHeartRadio. Uh, also, we have our Facebook page. Uh, you can like us there. Uh, we got archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Uh, you can check out the, you can check out the, uh, the uh, episode of the Male Soap Opera Moment where, uh, we talk about, uh, Day One and the Royal Rumble and all that. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast for the latest tweets, photos, and videos. And, of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got, uh, we got some episodes of Dark Side of the Ring coming out. Uh, two episodes have already been, uh, recorded. We just need to get the other four done before we'll start throwing those out there to you guys. So um, 
I know I got uh, two that I have to do with Elvis and Desmond, and then two more that I got to do with Des and Gator. So we're trying to work all those out. So once we get that done, that'll be sent out to you guys. And then we got some other content coming. Of course, with Twitch, uh, as we mentioned before, you can follow us on there at twitch.tv slash theboochcast. Um, our next uh, watch party is going to be in April for WrestleMania. We're going to figure all of that out. Uh, I got, I got a, I think night two, we're definitely going to get together as a team, but I got something I'm uh, in the works that I'm trying to plan for night one, but I don't want to reveal it just yet, but it's a surprise. Um, so you guys will probably enjoy that. And of course the D and D shows coming. Uh, John is on top of it. He, he said, you know, just like he said, life got in the way, but he has not forgotten. He has mentioned to me that he wants to do another just to get us refreshed and back on track. We will be doing another zero session some at some point to kind of get back on track with what we want to do. But rest assured, when we come out with this D&D show, it's going to be perfect. We're going to make sure it is. So it's going to be worth the wait. And, of course, there's the gaming that Elvis is going to be doing. And I've got another gaming idea planned in the works as well. Elvis doesn't know about it yet. A lot of people don't know about it yet. But um, if he wants, I'll tell him off the air if he wants to know. But I'm leaving this a surprise for now. So Twitch actually, gonna- um, I got, I got something to plug too, man. Um, I got this, um, Oculus from Facebook. Um, I'm actually, uh, playing this game called Demio. It's like a tabletop digging D type game, whatever. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually going to set up an account for that. So I will be streaming that live. Um, once I have the credentials and, uh, you know, what the site is and everything else, I'll get you set up. I've been playing it for the past. I got it. I got it in Christmas. I've been playing it for the past, I'd say like good three, four weeks. I'm pretty fucking good at it. Um, I always meet up with a lot of good people and I'm going to start streaming that for the Boochcast. Um, if you guys got the Oculus, um, you know, you, you obviously have your fun little station you go to, you can play poker, you can play all these different things. But if you guys are interested in see like, you know, this Demio game is for you. It's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. It's a tabletop and VR. Um, it's really fun. It's a strategy game, role-playing game where it's like a time, uh, turn-based game, whatever. You have different classes. You got a paladin, you got a hunter, you got a, um, assassin, you have a bard, um, and you got, um... I think it's about it. So the hunter, paladin, whatever. But um, it's it's really fun. Uh, it's really good. I he, there's a lot of good people on there. Sometimes uh, the room is really lively and they talk a lot and talk strategy. And sometimes people don't talk at all. But um, I think it's really fun if, just to watch it. Uh, the VR world is pretty crazy, pretty fun. But um, I am actually gonna get this set up. So once I get all the credentials set up, hopefully by next week when you hear the show, um. I'll have all the information for you. You guys can follow links and follow us for the Boochcast and just kind of see how VR is because the VR Oculus world is pretty fucking rad. Um, there's other games out there as well, too. There's one called Zenith I want to get into, but I want to get at least a week or two to kind of get my bearings with it. At least get the Boochcast set up on the VR with the Oculus. Maybe build a little community. So if you guys are into Demio or Zenith, maybe you guys could join our community. We all call join together online. You know, uh, take down hordes of monsters and take over the world. You know, just simple shit. But um, we'll get there. But uh, hopefully by next week we'll have all those credentials on there. And uh, we will get this thing started. And um, yeah. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to us. Sorry for long. So sorry so much for like not being here for so long. Uh, life happens. I know we said it quite a bit though, but I think things are going to start taking a little change where we'll be more focused on not just the wrestling part, but us hanging out and communicating and talking. And uh, let's just face it, in the world that we're living in today, it's all about communicating and talking. And uh, it's been a fun session. So I, I appreciate you guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Support us if you can. If you got the you got the funds, you got the means to do it. Support us. If not, then. 
the best way you can support us is just like hitting that like and subscribe and tell other people like hey you like wrestling there's some wrestling nerds like to talk about it there's a cheerleader for AEW. so uh there's one person who doesn't like it so much so um <laughs> listen to our show tell your friends and Absolutely. uh hope you next week all right we'll definitely talk to you guys next week and uh if you do want to help out the show the link you want to go to is anchor.fm slash the bootscast slash support uh that's where you want to go um and like i said if you do you do if you don't the best way you can really support us take this link share it to everybody you know let everybody know that uh there's guys who are critical of wrestling but love it respect it and talk about it and we give a perspective that you can't get anywhere else because the information is valuable absolutely so i mean they said perfectly so i mean like you know supporting what you can either by your wallets or just simply you know just press that magic button let us know what's going on but uh thanks again uh, we hope to see you next week. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, good night, goodbye. We love you. Take care. Be good to yourselves and each other. Until then, pizza, pizza baby. baby. Yeah.